Because all my life, I was hit. I never complained. I always said it's part of my job. Um, and we ended up convicted of... Allowing allowing premises. Allowing a premises to be used for the supply and consumption of MDMA. We always got on with the police, you know, and we never yeah. had a problem with uh, anything, as far as I was aware. If we caught anyone with tablets, if it was less than three, we were to take their name, take their tablets from them. The tablets go into the safe. The club had one key, the police had the other key. Anything more than three tablets, we'd have to call the police. Because they found nothing. So they had to hit me with something to justify, with theft. Being in clubland pretty much all my life, all my working life, all my adult life, all I'd ever seen is people taking pills. For me, it kind of was. It was natural because that's what I'd seen. That's the world I'd lived in, is people taking tablets to music, people enjoying music with drugs in their system. They genuinely thought we were producing drugs. Go and see if you can make buy drugs of them. Not go and find out what goes on in the place. They were telling them, telling them... Target us. Yes, go and target us. You won't believe what the judge said. Why did you play that music? Yeah. Why couldn't you play, have a line dancing club? Yeah. No. I swear to God. It's in there, it's in All right, so today we're in Plymouth with our red faces from being in the beach yesterday in Newquay, and we have got a massive miscarriage of justice um, case. And we've got a club owner and a DJ who got absolutely bamboozled by the authorities, the local police, the council, and both ended up in prison. So do you guys want to just introduce yourself to the viewers and and say what you were convicted of and how much prison you did? Certainly, yeah. Uh, My name's Tom Costello. I'm from Bromley in Kent. And, um, yeah, I'm a DJ and promoter, and I met Manoush. Uh, at London's Camden Palace. Uh, and then Manush bought the Dance Academy and uh, in a short, shortened version, he bought the Dance Academy and I uh, moved down here to run the club with him. Um, and we ended up convicted of... Um, what was the actual charge? Allowing, allowing a premises. Allowing a premises to be used for the supply and consumption of MDMA. Wow. Ecstasy. What, what sentence then was that? Um, I got five years and Manush got nine years. <laughs> yeah. So what was it like moving down from London to Devon? Look, I said in the court very openly, I said, look, this city, let's be honest, is ten years behind Brighton, where I grew up, in every sense. And <laughs> my lawyer said, that's it, you've had it. <laughs> yeah, but I was honest. 
because that's what they are so behind with these things and it's not it's nothing against them it's not a it's just how it goes you don't see this kind of cancel in Brighton look at Brighton it's never felt recession it's never felt covid it's never felt it is a small London in Brighton because the councillors are young, half as age of these councillors. Why do you guys think they targeted you? Um, I'm not sure really, because we always got on with the um, we always got on with the police, you know, and we never yeah. had a problem with uh, anything, as far as I was aware. We were always told we were doing the right thing. Yeah. We were always told um, we were instructed to, if we caught anyone with tablets, if it was less than three, we were to take their name uh, details as much as possible. I mean, obviously, they'd give Mickey, Ma- Mickey Mouse names and stuff like that. But, you know, take their names, take their tablets from them. The tablets go into the safe, drug safe, which is uh, the club had one key. The police had the other key. So they would come and empty the safe, which would take ages, but that's another story. Um, so, yeah, we, anything more than three tablets, we'd have to call the police. And then the police would come and... Uh, but I think it was a bit different. They said three to four tablets. Because yeah, that's what came in the It was court. like a rough guideline. They said, look, three. But now we understand they were doing it to trap us you yeah. see what I mean and their stupidity complete lot of them when they raided the club they left the drugs in the safe and took the lost property because they found nothing in our position in my home certainly they changed the dog sniffing dogs that's how convinced they were to, because the dog couldn't find anything. So they changed the dog. They thought the dog is gone cuckoo. Yeah. <laughs> but it wasn't. Anyway, their stupidity, I wasn't even here. Mm. I was away. Six months of operation or seven months. I, the night they came, I hadn't been here for weeks. Anyway, they didn't even take the drugs from the safe, which was there in the safe, not in the drug box. They must have caught it at the time and not time to put it, okay? Instead, they took some lost property passports. from yeah, passports, yeah, yeah. okay? And bang on the news. The owner has been charged or with theft because they found nothing. So they had to hit me with something to justify, with theft. So they're accusing you of pinching people's passports to sell on? Or whatever, they, yeah. this is how pathetic they were. They had left the drugs there because they must have been in panic. We've had 200 people in here, officers, to do things and we can't find... 200 all. officers? 150 yeah, 100, 100 soldiers and the rest of the whatever they were. Yeah, when they oh raided God. the club. Okay. What? But what? they, when they raided the club, they put um, bins. They told everyone to stay where, where they are. Um, and they put bins there and they said, anyone who's got drugs on them, put them in the bins. So I think that was done to show 
that there was a X amount of drugs in the building at the time. So don't destroy them, basically. Yeah. If people could destroy them, it was like to, for yeah, it was to show how much uh, tablets were in the building. But you know, for me, being in clubland pretty much all my life, all my working life, all my adult life, all I'd ever seen is people taking pills. I know. Don't get me wrong. I know it's illegal, but everyone knows it goes on. This is this is the thing. Everyone knows it goes on, and now it's cocaine or whatever, or, you know, whatever. But it's—I'm not saying it's a natural thing, but you know, for me, it kind of was. It was natural because that's what I'd seen. That's the world I'd lived in—is people taking tablets to music, people enjoying music with drugs in their system. Okay, some people don't do it. Some people do do it, but you know, it's a fact of the, of life that. It goes hand in hand, and we had this relationship with the police. They knew there was, you know, in in every um, club. I, I was looking last night, and there, there was. If they didn't, they wouldn't have told us. If you catch someone with three, four <laughs> yeah, tablets, exactly. let them go. Don't exactly. waste our times. That's exactly is what. Don't waste our times to come here and blah blah arrest all of us for what. But anyway, yeah, no, I found, found an article in the local paper, which was not long after we had been arrested. It was in May 2006. I can't remember the exact date or something. But there was a guy that had been caught with 140 ecstasy tablets at another club in the city. It, you know, and it, at the same time, it was being reported that we had been arrested. And, you know, so... It goes on. That's all I'm trying to say. Oh, it's everywhere. It's ridiculous. Yeah, you know, to not think there's going to be dance music and not drugs. We read some articles in the proper paper, like national papers, investigation. They found traces of coke in (laughs) toilets in high court. In the high court. (laughs) In the high court. And the Houses of Parliament. So QCs well, yeah. must have yeah. been at it. Judge. <laughs> it is. Look, whether you believe it or not. At that mm. time, I paid £700 for a small camera. Right at the same time when this happened. I said, go out and try to buy some tablets. It was openly on the, on the counter. In yeah. fact, if any bird people used to be aware was my place because they were scared of me. And this, by the way, was written in the intelligence report by Sergeant Andy King who wrote in his report that this club is doing better than all the other clubs. Because and, yeah. of this, all the p- things are in place, all the things are there. And it's no worse than any other club, that was it. Something like that. Was I the was report. the first club in the country, started with free water fountain. Yeah. And they used Everyone that else us. used to they shut the us. cold water so people would have, <laughs> have to buy the buy water. Them. Yeah. I put water fountains on the levels, different levels. So yeah. people would have three if they haven't got them. I've never even That's heard a, of that before. Yeah. Yes. Is it still there? Bigger, the fountains are still, still there. Still there, yeah. The fountains are still there. I was the first club to have a unisex. Toilet, yeah. Was that not dangerous? <laughs> no, because the issue was 
Everybody used to go in and blah, 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 in the ladies, gentlemen, blah, 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 what girls go there, boys yeah. go there. So I said to council, I said, look, isn't this better if it's unisex so we can openly monitor it? We can send our stuff whenever it's necessary to ladies or gents and cameras. Yeah. We watch it. If it is like this, we can't. They all agreed with me. Look, the council commended me for raising standards in the city. The, um, the mayor commended me, thanked me for raising standards in the city. The same time as mayor came to thank me with the mayors, yes, <laughs> the operation was going. So either the intention was to make me off guard, which, or just really thanking me, but whatever, whoever, I don't know. Within two, three, two months, three months of that, the place gets raided. And within that period, you won't believe, we, you only realize these small things when the incident has happened and you just think, that is why then, for the past six, seven months, which now we know is when the operation had started, we kept catching people, safe or fight, which we didn't have any ever, and save for whatever reason, okay, we caught someone, we were calling the police, they wouldn't come, they wouldn't come. Yeah, suddenly. They wouldn't, so they wanted to put us in trouble, make a mistake basically. They wanted you to fail. To to fail, and then... Once they turned up, when we insisted, and ugh, I was going crazy. They turned up at 2 o'clock, 2 a.m., when everywhere else in Pilimus was shot, except us, open till 6 in the morning. So everyone was queuing from here to there. And they wanted to take two head doormen and the other doorman whoever is, take away to take his statements. So when I told the policemen, of course they didn't like it. I said, why now? Can you not see? We need the doorman. We need the doorman. And this and that. But they wanted us to fail. Now we know. The first day that this badge business came along, SIA badge. SIA badge. Yeah. Yes. They came with SIA people, raided our club. <laughs> they had bad luck. We only had like 60, 70 people at the time they came in to check everybody. Checking the doorman, yeah. Is this stupid or what? And they asked me to give statement on the records. Took me to the office. Okay, it's on the records. We need to. So I gave it to Yes, yes. Of course we've done this. Everything was fine. But they wanted to catch us. With They were preparing all this to Use do us yeah. simply 
because they genuinely thought we were producing drugs. You never hear any operation if you are calling uh, undercover officers to guide them what to do. Somebody would read this telling them some sergeant in this case. He was telling them, because they were, we then found out, they were novice from Scotland, up in north. Novice, the undercover no, Novice police. Like they just started okay. their undercover. And they were told, we have information that these two, only him and I, are involved in drugs. Go and see if you can make buy drugs of them. Not go and find out what goes on in the place. They were telling them, telling them... Target us. Yes, go and target us. And I remember even once, I'd never forget, like, because everybody knew me. Everybody knew him. And somebody had approached him, a girl, or whatever. He yeah, didn't tell you himself, yeah. it's not for me. Yeah, no, it was just, a, uh, I kept getting asked to get pills from this girl, and I was just like... Can you stop asking me to get your tablets? I can't get your tablets. Leave me alone. You know what I mean? And it got to the point where um, she kept asking me, like, please get me some tablets. And I was like, I, I exploded. I was like, take it to the office. I'm going to search you. Take, you know, take it to the office and search you. You're doing my fucking brain in. I can't get you any tablets. But, of course, we tried to bring this up in the trial and they just kind of pushed that away. You know, I tried to find, you know, we tried to find this particular person but all the uh police that were doing the undercover were behind screens so that in the trial the evidence given they were all behind screens so we couldn't see their faces did she look like the typical party goer no that's what you could tell (laughs) this is what i'm saying you could tell and by the, the way she was talking as well you know you you knew you felt she was yeah yeah Yeah. totally totally look all of these witnesses, everybody's welcome to see you. I mean, I've given it to many people, including. This is the file which was given to Criminal Cases Review Commission, and they agreed there has been a, or recommended it back to High Court. In this, everybody when you look at the evidence it is like the guy who you the worst thing we heard from anyone to convict us was a guy who worked for us as a doorman I chucked him out because he was involved in a murder okay he had gone as a enforcer when I found out in the paper, I sacked him following week when he turned up to work. Because all I, I didn't want this murder business. Not only he got away with murder, he came to court to claim he was a Royal Marine, which then we found out he wasn't. It was a total lie. He was a registered club drug a drug dealer. He was an informant. Basically. He had, yes, he, he a- had given. He had offered to the policeman, undercover police detective, uh, drug squad, 
he had offered five grand a week drugs he can provide. Then we found out all this. He won't believe who he is. He's the son of the guy. Supergrass. Supergrass in Liverpool. Liverpool, who grassed these people. Which Kurt, was the Curtis dealer? Warren, I think. The guy who grassed. He grassed on Curtis Warren. Yeah. Yes. Ooh. This is his son. It's, that's his son. The apple didn't okay. fall too far from the tree there. Yeah, indeed, yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, he, because it's bad luck, the woman he married, I used to have few feelings with her before they got married. <laughs> few sleepovers. <laughs> I don't know if that was his Angst. garage. Angst, yeah. All he had to say was, all he had to say was, because there was nothing else to say. That uh, I, we agreed that I leave because Manoush had a uh, relaxed attitude towards drugs. That's it. That is it. That meant, that meant to be their star witness. Yeah. And then when we went, amazingly, when we went to court in the first appeal, they said, we said the undercover officers were behind the screen, which is very unfair. We need to see them to see which one approached us for what. Okay? The court said there was another witness called this, who is the son of that uh, big drug dealer or informant. So the court, high court, said it wasn't only the undercover officers, it was him as well, which makes a case for it. So they dismissed that. The second appeal, when we found out about yes, all this, that is when pre, uh, Criminal Cases Review Commission returned the case again. Look, this guy wasn't even at Royal Maureen. He was a drug dealer. Yeah, it was a total lie in the, in the court. Guess what the high court said? doesn't matter. No, they said there was also undercover officers. <laughs> so it wasn't only him. So the first time we were refused because of them lot. And then the second, second time... time we, they swapped it around. They swapped it around this time. <laughs> <laughs> and then we got, anyway, we got to the uh, European court. They easily accepted the case. They said it, it, uh, British government needs to explain what has gone on. <laughs> <laughs> and you won't believe what the prosecution did in what? England. Go on. We have a Supreme Court ourselves. You have to bring the case back to Supreme Court, not to European Court. And of course, European court agreed because they said it is correct. You have a higher court now, which is it was newly done. You, we have a higher. You have a higher court now, and it has to go there before we can act on it, which is true. They kept buying time. By the time it all comes back, yes, we went to Supreme Court. 
They said you are three months out of time. Oh, technicality. <laughs> So then you can't take it to the, hum- to the European culture. You You've see not what exhausted I mean? all your domestic remedies. You see what I mean? Yeah. This drug dealer's wife anyway, this uh, grass, his wife two years ago phoned us out of nowhere. She's going through divorce with him. She came. She didn't even know. I'm sure she's going to know now. We were recording her. She was saying how he used to get a visit from the police. Handler. He had a police handler. Police handler. She was married to him for 13 years with a boy and a girl. And no one knows these things. You are the first person to hear all this. Yeah, thank you for having us, by the way. No, thank, thank you for, you for coming. Thank you, for, um, yeah, yeah, thank you, you know what I mean? Many, I have never spoken about these issues because I wouldn't want to give pleasure to people to talk about my misfortune. It is not like me. I'm a very brave person. I always deal with matters. When the judge said to me, you go for nine years. I almost laughed in the court. I grabbed hold of Tom because Tom was very upset. He almost... Dropped. Because yeah. he, he, they almost yeah. collapsed. Yeah. And I grabbed Tom. I said, Tom, it's okay. Let's go. It's all right. And when we went back to prison, the first person said, oh, you got nine years. Yes, fucking right we did. So what do you want to do? And then another asshole was... <laughs> Can you imagine? He said, that manouche from up there. I said, yes. You slapped me once. I said, did I? Yes. I said, nice one. As if like I'll be scared of any of them. And in fact, the guy who was in court the same time from Manchester for dealing drugs heavily, he got 15 years coke yeah i had slapped him yeah i had you won't believe i know it's funny i used to do all this on my own it's true i used to stand against all the gangs on my own the gangs used to come here and say we never pay anywhere in the in the city which was true (laughs) and i used to say well if i let you in here you still have to pay but I'm not going to let you in. <laughs> but I'm coming back wherever you are to have a drink with you if you think you are. And I used to go and have a drink in their pub, in their social club. <laughs> the, the protection and you ra- won't believe, I used to get arrested. I got arrested twice for standing up to people. Because somebody, they were showing me this. And I pulled my trousers down. <laughs> I said, come on, Ned. And I got arrested by the police. <laughs> because they couldn't stop the guy threatening me with guns. But they arrested me. For they, in a way, some of the policemen were in love with me. Because I was standing up to these bad boys. Yeah. I used to allow them in my promises up there, in my flat. I used to tell them, you can come up to the flat and have a coffee. Have a beer, but I won't let you in the club. I wouldn't. This was as simple as that. 
I wouldn't. And I always told them why. I said, you intimidate people. You are not good for business. You are not good for nice atmosphere. This is why academy was academy. Yeah, true. And I wouldn't give a toss about any of these. Don't get us wrong. I know certain clubs like Cream or these big clubs, God's Kitchen and these big ones. We were bigger than them without knowing. They even tried uh, to muscle in. They tried to do a night in here. And they said, I can't remember, Tom was the manager there. He was dealing with them. And I said, okay. It was Gatecrasher. Gatecrasher come to do uh, an event in Plymouth. Yes. And um, they wanted to do it with us. But they were arguing over the ticket price. It was hilarious. Really? Yeah, Manush wasn't letting um, them get away with 10 pence. So I said to them, okay. How much you gonna? He said we give you ATP a ticket. Sorry, they wa- they wanted to do the event in the pavilion, but they wanted us to shut the club oh. for the night. So we do the event in the four three and a half three and a half thousand. And capacity. use our DJs and everything. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So I said, okay, what are you gonna pay us for that? <laughs> said ATP a ticket. I said, okay, how much you gonna charge? He said, 20-odd quid. <laughs> I said, from 20-odd quid, you want to pay me ATP? <laughs> <laughs> Fuck off, man. <laughs> <laughs> then that night, that night, <laughs> that night, we had nearly 3, full people. capacity, yeah. full, and I mean full, one in, one out. They had Less than fifteen hundred people in there, which designed for four or five thousand people. That taught them a lesson. To get, they always say you have to earn your respect. After that, every club owner, every club outside Plymouth, learned to respect us. What fucking ATP? <laughs> Who the fuck are you to offer even? I give you 800 pounds to shut the fuck up. I remember once when I had just opened, I genuinely, I was desperate for finances. I sold, don't get me wrong, I sold three businesses. I sold three, two flats and the freehold of a building and I sold the house to be able to come here. And these motherfucker police put in the fucking thing that... I had 100% mortgage. So I called it QC and that uh, barrister. And yeah. the Lord, when they come afterwards to see you to say goodbye, I had it all, all that time. I had sat and I wasn't good with writing and reading because my girlfriends used to do all this time. My English wasn't good to read or write. I could read. But I grew up in the street. Every time that happened, I used to say, later, my girlfriend had a degree and she was fantastically running everything. She used to say, come and sit down, I'll teach you computer. I used to say, oh, you are doing it for a minute, later, later. <laughs> and then I get so upset, not upset, I get, ex- it's like this excitement is coming through you because you've never spoken about these things. And you can let it out and, all of a sudden. And you know. suddenly you just realize 
where do I tell these people how bad everything was? I sat in prison with that knowledge of education. I was educated in my country, don't get me wrong. But because from day one I came here, I started working. And I had always, always two jobs, often three jobs. I sat down and I went through all these statements, evidence, or whatever they write. And I found so many bollocks in there. When they came to see me, because he said straight away, we've come to talk to you about your confiscation. I said, you come and see me for confiscation another time. Today is my day. I'm going to ask you questions. And I had highlighted with blue pen. I never forget blue. And it was difficult to find these things in prison. In prison, yeah. It's mental. I went one by one. I said, when did I say this? When did I tell you 100% mortgage? Don't you think a fucking judge sitting there would say this guy at the age of 40, he had fuck all in his life. And suddenly he's come here now, he's worth 2 million pounds, 5 million pounds. Is this, did I fucking tell you that? Couldn't you just put, I, I sold how many houses, properties and what, three businesses? Oh, I don't, and everything I was telling the QC was looking at the barrister, the barrister was looking at the lawyer. <laughs> it was so, you know, once we looked in, because it was such a, like a bomb going off. Because we were told all the way through, well, we were on bail for over two years. Over, two, over, year, two, over years. two years. And just over two years, and just before the court, few days before the court, they gave 600 pages of unused material. They had over two years to give it. We, d- we don't know this, the and way so this the game lawyers, works. Do you know what I mean? Because it is a game. It is a, the it is lawyers a, didn't have time to go through this unused material. So which then now, we did. So then Tom we did. is reading some of them, and he's come up with certain things. We realized, we used to have at the time, we used to have a... Uh, who was that from council they used to come? Drug... Something. Uh, I, I Drug. You know the guy who came and gave evidence to uh, or statement to Jane oh, Hickman. Dylan Sadler was that? No, 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 no. The drug guys from Cancel. They used to put a desk in our place and call it the Harbour Centre. Oh, the Harbour Centre. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, it was like a uh, a drug. From day one, they approached yeah. us. We gave them a desk in the club. They used to come for free, give condom away, give information, help people, okay? Suddenly, November, I think it was 1st or October 1st, I didn't even know that they had stopped. They had gone to Tom and said, we can't do it anymore. Tom and said, why is that? Oh, the council hasn't got enough... Funding. Funding. What we didn't know was they had done it on purpose. To take the, that away. Evidence yeah. in your favour. Because exactly. in court, I didn't even know that. I said, yeah, Harbour Centre was there. You can ask them. He said, well, I haven't been there for six months. But this I said, is, pardon? You know, the, all this time we were on bail and we were being told by our legal teams 
don't worry about it. Yeah, system. you're going you to see. We were totally lax. Yeah, we were totally lax. You're not. You know, we never. The first I heard of prison was about four weeks into the trial, and it was a six, seven-week trial. The first three weeks, I was falling asleep because I'd never been in that situation before, never been in a courtroom before. You just don't believe. I was laughing at the juries and everybody else. I was telling the reporter outside, and he was agreeing with me. I kept saying, what a waste of fucking time this is. What a waste of public money. I think the viewers at this point are wondering, Tom and Manoush, they spent all this money, like you just said, 150 cops raiding you guys. What was the motive? I mean, do you guys have property or something that the council wanted to take from you or I think the motive was Zoom on that building across <laughs> the building across the street the that yeah. Yeah. Tell, tell the viewers a little bit about the building it's it's a from Vic, the Victorian it's, it was uh, Victorian theatre Victorian theatre yeah I and mean, it's 100 odd years old 130 40 years old it's a beautiful building and it's um, it's spoke about in the city of Plymouth so much uh, everyone talks about the dance academy or the palace theatre and they're always asking this gentleman, "What are you going to do with it?" What you know? Because I think, I think, initially this whole thing was about taking that building out of his hands. Why, why, why did you get the building in the first place? Right, it was left derelict, much worse than it is now, much as worse. you can see. Much yeah, worse much than worse than this. And this was and 90, had 95, been... 96. And I had been to this city to see a friend of mine who was a proper businessman, good, successful businessman, like a few years earlier, or more than that, I can't remember, six, seven years before that, he actually owned a kebab place up here called Caspian. Anyway, because he owned the business here, he had fuel, not just one, and we were here at night, Saw this club cross the road. Looked fantastic. We went in there and we had drinks. So the following time when I went, which was five, six years later, came round here. I saw his derelict. And I thought, this club used to be fantastic. What has happened to it? Anyway, I made some inquiries there and then. You won't believe... That's how I am. I made a journey from here to Blackpool. I went to find the guy who... And what difficulty I found him. The guy who owns this at the time. And he told me he'd sold it to another guy from from... Yeah, Longstone, was it? Not Longstone, no. Bude. Or, no, no, um, Biddeford. Biddeford, Biddeford yeah. North Devon. Biddeford, yeah. Biddeford. Mm. Imagine to find all this, and I kept driving. <laughs> I just don't give up if I decide Stay from something. Yeah. North Biddeford. From Plymouth to Blackpool to North Stay overnight. In one day, I made two journeys to Brighton and back. Like I hadn't 16 met him hours. At this point. I hadn't we'll met get him to this how point. you two yeah. met. 16, <laughs> 17 hours drive. But I just do it. If I decide. I, and I was adamant I'm going to get this building, no matter what. <laughs> and he said, he said, I found him. He turned out to be another gangster. Australian, two brothers, boxers, champion, heavyweight. Oh. Yeah, okay then. 
I... I spoke to him. And I said, I want this. He said, the council wants to buy it. Oh, I'm going to make... What? I'm going to make a few hundred grand on from what he had bought from this guy. Because the previous guy... He cancelled had done exactly the same to him. So what he had done was, one night come in, locked the doors, and smashed all the marbles in the place with this hammer. Sledgehammer. He told me himself. He's not shy about it. He says, I had enough of this fucking council. They kept doing this to me, doing this to me. I had enough. I smashed everything. I don't want to know anymore. Completely smashed up. All these people are excited about. I fucking fixed them. And it's only fake. Because we had to pay a plasterer to come from Liverpool to fix it, to mock it. What do you call it? To copy it. And then put it up. I showed it to Heritage England. I said, does it look? Beautiful, he said, yeah. I said, don't listen to it. <laughs> and he said, oh, my God. I said, yes. <coughs> anyway, I gave him £100,000 more. Despite that, which I told you about, these guys came from Northern Leisure and rank. They told me, look, don't be mad, don't be stupid. Manus, you are fine in Brighton. You've got all this going for you. I said, no, I, I, want, I know he's going to make it, this building. My bad luck, we, we, got a, we got a lease from this guy, this present owner. His name was Sam. I don't want to tell you his... Well, I tell you, very tough, hard guy. Foxes, they say. Yeah, two brothers. Yeah, very. They they are known. They were known at the time in the area. And uh, he gave me a lease. He said, "How do you want it?" I said, "I want it one year lease with the option of freehold, but I would set up the freehold price now." I don't want to open it and then you start going this, this. Anyway, we all agreed on this. We put it in right handwriting, not lawyer. He gave me the list. I was with this girl at the time. She was actually Serbian originally. I never forget. We went to this lawyer. He got, because we didn't know anywhere. We just walked along this. There is a crescent here, which all the lawyers are. We went to the first lawyer, and he looked at the lease. He read it all. Then he told me, sorry, I can't act for you because it's conflict of interest. I act for the others. Motherfucker, why did you fucking read it then? (laughs) (laughs) He was was acting for counsel. Conflict of interest, bastard. Conflict of interest, you should say sorry, mate. (laughs) This is the first step. And this was way back, way back. 1996. Early 96. And then I, but being me, I don't give up. I said, okay, 
I laughed. As if it was going to impress me and do anything important to me. What do you want to do? Go and fuck yourself. <laughs> I always believe in, if you don't do anything wrong, you have nothing to fear about. You have nothing to be concerned about. Yeah. And I tested it in my life. Once I had fight with 13 football fans from Liverpool... I never forget that. I had black marks everywhere. How did that start? But in Brighton, when they smashed up this takeaway shop, because they didn't do fish and chips, and the owner happened to be a Persian woman, and I didn't like it. So I joined in to stop them, and eventually I got in fighting with them. They found three, four kinds of blood on my clothes. I didn't have one scar anywhere on my clothes. They brought them to court to give evidence against me. Oh, can anyone believe this? And the judge laughed in that court. He said, so the shop has been smashed and this guy on his own be fighting these lot who are admittingly by minibus, they've come here to play football with Brighton because Brighton had beat them 1-0. Hope you're enjoying the podcast. Here's a word from our sponsor, Harry's. Having such a scratchy face, I'm always delighted to get a new Harry's set. There's a foaming gel, hydrating night lotion, and the razor with the weighted handle really gets the job done. The trimmer blade makes it so easy to get into those tricky places to reach. The shave gel offers effective lubrication and just comes off like butter. It's such a smooth shave. It shaves fast, efficiently, no discomfort, and it is so smooth by the end. The hydrating night lotion is light and non-greasy. Harry's is doing a £0 trial. Start shaving with the products just pay for delivery. Save every time. Save on all your shaving products without sacrificing quality. You're in control. You can modify or cancel your plan from the account page. Make sure to support our podcast and start your own skincare journey by redeeming a free Harry's trial set. All you cover is £3.95 for delivery. Just head to harrys.com forward slash Sean, S-H-A-U-N, and have your trial set delivered to your door. That's harrys.com forward slash Sean, S-H-A-U-N. Thank you for supporting our sponsor. And I never forget because the barrister started talking. They are their boogie team. Brighton is their boogie team. And then judge said, hey, don't get out of the line now. Talk about the case. And with the same token, I had a one fight with a lizard perhaps that small he was I never managed to punch and land a punch on him because you have to have it from your heart and you have to have the right for it I didn't have the right to fight that lizard because I didn't think it was right I was pissed and I couldn't even land a punch but with the others I had the absolute right to defend this woman with her child behind her they smashed up all the front windows inside. Blah, 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 blah. And eventually I got arrested. And anyway, the judge said at the end, 
I give you two years, because they were expecting prison sentence. He said, I give you two years, conditional discharge, out of my court. Don't do anything for two years and you'll be fine. I said, thank you, judge. Bye-bye. And the police had taken all my clothes. They were, they were always against me because I was a decent guy, not scared of them from day one. And you won't believe what else this motherfucker police in charge of this bastard told the court. Go on. How did he get away with it? This fucking DI corrupt bastards, which his own colleagues, by the way, I tell you in a little while, they admitted wrongdoings. His own colleagues right there, standing right there with uniform. No, not plain clothes, detectives. One from here, one from Leeds, a woman. They apologized. They said, everyone knows about your case and we are really sorry about that. It's not, it wasn't right what happened to you. You won't believe what he got away with. It. He said to court, we have checked with Sussex police. The intelligence suggests he was involved in importing cocaine from Iran. <laughs> How did he get away with it? Where was the fucking barrister of mine to get up and say, excuse me, or judge, if it is a real fucking intelligence, let's have a look at it. If it is not, why the fuck is he saying, how many people can stand there and say that? But, you know, again, we didn't really get this at the time, do you know what I mean? Because at the time we were just, you know, being told by a legal team... Nothing's going to happen to you. Don't worry, it's going to be fine. Rah, rah, rah. Until two weeks before the end of the trial, my my barrister, who was absolutely useless, I just, you know, when I look back on it now, absolutely useless, just didn't even... Look, as if, when we think about it, my complaints in the court, now is all making sense. Even though... Like the first day I met my QC, because I wasn't even here for two years. I, I had a small, like 60, 70 meters flat in Cyprus, which they thought is a villa with BMW outside. They had gone there and they'd been shocked and said to the people living there, who are you? They said, we are tenants. How much you pay? 40 euros a week. <laughs> and then they said, where is his car? It's outside. Which one? It was dust on it. I had paid 200 euros. <laughs> and it was Bang one up. of these Citroen. When you start, it pumps up. <laughs> you know which ones I'm talking about? They can, you can put the front and the back up like this. And I liked it because... I wouldn't use it, but I, if I was there, it was funny. I used to stand in the uh, uh, traffic light and just go... Bah, 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 bah. That's all. And I told them that's all I have. They had gone to my house, opened up it safe. Can you tell us that? I said, yes. How much you got? I said, I got one million Bulgarian money. At the time, they weren't in and six million Iranian money. 
But then I laughed. I said, don't fucking waste your time. You can go and open it if you want, but you will see what I'm talking about. All together was 60 quid. (laughs) (laughs) And guess what else they done? Because they couldn't find anything. They had taken the box of cigar I had bought in Cyprus, which was part of Europe. You could do that. Five pounds a packet. Okay? They'd taken it, and I'd lost it in the court when I heard that. I'd run after this policeman. He was shitting himself. He, he had to run. I said to him, why the fuck did you take my cigars? What's that got to do? Is that drug, you motherfucker? He said... We thought we wanted to check if you paid duties on it. Yeah, paid the VAT on it. Who would six months spend millions of pounds on undercover called John O'Mac? <laughs> that was the case. No, and no. then tell out, try to do somebody for you haven't paid duties on your cigars. <laughs> it's it is just, I know it's funny now. We put two by two together. We realized how pathetic everything was. If a detective can get away with it, yeah. and you won't believe, apart from the 600 pages were given to us at the few days before the court, after two years and two months. Two years and two months, because we went, we were raided 5th of May. June 19th, I think, we started the court, two years later. So two years and whatever, six weeks. This, when we found out the uh, Criminal Cases Review Commission, this time, second time, referred the case back, we found out there was much more he had given to us, hadn't given to us. And you won't believe what High Court did. I've never heard of that. He said, Mr. Hoggett, can you please make sure you have given them everything now? This is the same bastard who's been hiding everything. And the judge, fucking dipstick, is sitting there <laughs> telling the same bastard, can you assure me it's all been given? Which policeman would try to fuck himself up in the court to say, yeah, sorry, judge, I've hidden six pages of them. Of course he would say, yes, they are. It was just so, you know, and again, it's you only find this out so years down the line. So, can you explain how you got into dance music and then and how you met, met Yeah, of course, yeah. yeah. Um, so, I started collecting music at quite a young age, probably about 10 or 11. I was 10 or 11. Um, one of my family members had a massive vinyl collection, so I was always sort of fascinated with vinyl. Um, so I started collecting vinyl the more and more and more, and then um, sort of age 15 or 16, I started doing DJing with, at the time, my sister's partner was uh, a mobile DJ. So I started doing little gigs with him in pubs and stuff like that. What year is that? Um, I was 15, so... Uh, 80s. It was 80s, yeah. It was 86, 87. And then um, I used to do break dancing as well, so all my friends used to do break dancing, and um, we were always into music, you know what I mean? It was always a big part of growing up for me. My family was always musical. My father was always whistling Irish songs and singing songs. It was always always music in the house. 
Um, so then we got hit with the acid house explosion because you couldn't miss it, and it was bang right on the right on that time. It's so about 88, 88, 88, summer of love, summer of love. Yeah, so somewhere in that. Uh, Hedonis, hedonistic time. <laughs> I remembered I was DJing, so um, I'd got the decks by then, and you know I'd learned to mix and stuff like that. So um, I started doing my own events, um, all you know, all dance music, all uh, all of sort of acid house at the time, and then house, and then it went sort of so you, you know it all, it all throwing your own raves. Yeah, doing yeah, suddenly so doing from pubs events. and clubs to raves. Yeah, illegal. No, all, all legal. We used to rent uh, clubs in Leicester Square, like Maximus and the Gas Club, uh, and we'd put events on. This is sort of not early 90s. Uh, and then um, I started DJing for Club UK in London, which was quite a big club at the time. Uh, that got raided as well, funnily enough. Um, but we went to IB for one year, um, and I was fortunate enough to get some gigs in Space, which is a huge club, and Amnesia as well. Spent the summer in Ibiza in 95, I think. Yeah, 95 or 96. And then I met Manush. It was uh, Tony DeVitt when he sadly died. There was a, a, a commemora- commemorative event at Camden Palace. It was on a Thursday night, I think, wasn't it? And Manush... Um, was running the Zap Club or assisting running the Zap Club in Brighton at the time. So he had come to the Camden Palace that particular night when I was DJing. And he approached me in the DJ box and, yeah, said, um, Can, have you got a card or anything? Like, you know, we want to we book you in Brighton. And I was really excited by that because the Zap Club was, like, you know, huge at the time. Um and yeah, I went down to the Zap Club and I'd done a gig. And, I, and at the time, I had an agent. I was just going to say, um, when, I, when I went to Ibiza and I was fortunate enough to play in space, I ended up getting an agent at the time. So when I met Manush, I was like, you know, oh, I've got to speak to my agent. I was giving him my agent's <laughs> card. And Manush straight away, I'll never forget, he said, um, can we do it without the agent? You know, because I end up paying too much money to agents. <laughs> I will just pay you. And I was like, yeah, okay, we can do, we can do something. And we kind of hit it off, you know, we kind of hit it off straight away. It was like a mutual respect thing. I don't know, I, don't, I always found Manish really honest. And I think in the, the nightclub industry, there's a lot of... Snakes. Snakes. A lot of crap talk, you know, a lot of rubbish talk. So it was nice. I think it was, the feeling was mutual. So you moved to Plymouth when he moved to Plymouth? No, um, I started... Uh, obviously I'd done a few gigs for Manush at the Zap Club in Brighton and um, I don't know every time I, I played there it seemed to work you know it, it went down well and then Manush told me oh, I'm buying a you know I'm buying a club in Plymouth come and have a look and I'll never forget I drove down at the time uh, with a girlfriend and I was it was like never it was one of them journeys you know are we there yet you know it's like taking so long to get here and at the time, the club was not open, but he had acquired it, you know. He had the keys, and he showed me around. I'll never forget, there was, there was no ceiling, uh, roof. And this is why we laugh and get angry as well at the same time at the situation now, because the building was ten times worse then 
this was 95, 96. There was no roof. I remember being in the main room of the of the theatre and I could see the sky. So, anyway, Munaf said, you know, he's going to get this club going and I didn't hear from him for about a year or something, maybe a bit longer. It was 98 when I came back to play here. So in that time, Munaf had repaired the roof and done whatever he needed to do, which was, uh, I found out later, was a bit of a battle to get the club open, wasn't it? Um, That's when the problem with council started. Yeah. Yeah, I'll tell you in a minute. Yeah, so, yeah. um, I used to be a resident here then, like monthly resident, so I'd come down once a month. I remember I'd get on the train at Paddington and be thinking, yeah, I'm going to Plymouth. You know what I mean? (laughs) Start drinking on the train. (laughs) Um, But it was good, you know, it was good. You could tell there was a vibe in the club. And it got to a stage where, um, like I said, we always got on really well. And I don't know, I think we just... I don't think you asked me to come down. I think I just sort of said, I'm moving down. <laughs> you know what I mean? The club's so good. I'm going to move down and I'm going to... It's sacred, isn't it, when you get that vibe? Yeah, it was totally... totally and he became a general manager after my, yeah. after my girlfriend departed and she got married and... And uh, she she left because she used to do all the office. Then Tom took over, and Tom was the yeah general. So manager. I went from the resident DJ to, to a superstar DJ to running the running the um, running the club basically. Mm. But then booking all the DJs, and then we'd always spend uh, a lot of time on the flyer design, and you know the the way we promoted the club we felt that it was a little bit different a little bit you know a little bit out of the out of the box kind of thing well is that job title what enabled the council to come after you because you were running the club well yeah well i did become the licensee for a time um but we used to um we used to get later licenses obviously i knew people in mix mag magazine and music magazine at the time so we'd do um events in conjunction with the magazines would get a later bar license so the more we done that the later the club would open and it kept happening and and so it just kind of grew it's it was like organic you know what i mean it was like everything grew and then we got eight or ten o'clock license yeah the club used to open at 10 p.m and shut at eight in the morning so it went from when i first came yeah, in them days was we were pioneering on Everything here. We were opening their mind. They, all the striptease clubs, bars shut because of us. <laughs> and they Strippers. turned into the, these, yes, yeah. to a proper nice bar. This is how you affect. This is how you put effect for better. The marines and sailors and this, they had no chance of being nasty in the club. If they would never see the club, and the word was around that, listen, this guy won't let you in if you mad. fuck around in there, <laughs> and if if you fuck around in there, you will never see the club. Do you want to fuck around? And nobody would fuck around. It's true. <laughs> and it it was the Brilliant. best. To be honest, some topless people used to walk around in the club. 
It was like the Wild Good. West in the end because the, the atmosphere was so yes. great in there. Everyone there was, felt safe. Everyone felt safe. It was like, it was <coughs> yes, like a family. Yes, completely. I saw many times myself. It was like a family. Yeah, you know? it, it really yeah. was. It was like yeah. a big family. Built your own big family. What big mm. names did you have in there at the time? I mean, all, all the... Judge Jules, Lisa Lashes, oh, yes. the Tidy Boys. All, tidy boys. You know. And you won't believe what they told us. Go Pete on. Tong, all of them were here. Okay? Whoever you, Dave Pierce. You won't believe what the judge said. Why did you play that music? Yeah. Why couldn't you play, have a line dancing club yeah no i swear to god when the judge asks you that question in that manner yeah you just imagine think. the effect on jury yeah because the juries would think so they were definitely playing that music for this because even the judge is not happy about it why did you have so much water on the on the uh, on your bars <laughs> True. Free water. I swear to God. It went against us. I swear to God. He said, you obviously had lots of water because you were... Motherfucker. So they've gone from commending us two years before for doing this for the... You know, you're putting water fountains in. It's a safe environment to club. We had all the harbour centre information. Safe clubbing, you know what I mean? Safe taking tablets in a Look, safe manner. They knew I, what we were doing. When I met my first time ever met my QC, he walked into the room. I never forget. He was taking his raincoat off and he said, they said, this is my children. He said, okay, you are the club owner. You had two licenses there. It's not your problem. You are the owner. And I said, no, Mr. Don." That's not the point. The point is, nobody's done anything wrong. And he looked at me as if I was crazy. He said, it's your option, but like, stay with my line. It is not your business. It's their business. Yeah, put the and in on. the court, when I went to understand... Lots of people now say you, you were stupid to do that. You shouldn't have done it because you should have allowed them because they had fuck all in their lives to take the rap. Mm. But I stood there and I say I take full responsibility for all of them because they were honest people. They were innocent people. But if, if we all did that, what is the point of being a man? So the police ask you to pin it on Tom? No. No. The, the QC, uh, the barrister. The QC, which is above the barrister, is like a judge himself. He told me, it is not your business. Yeah, so he was putting it on, he was suggesting to put it on to me. Or no, and, and everyone else who worked at the club. Yeah. Yeah. Because he said you had two licenses, which the police have approved, the council have approved. What's your role here? You weren't even here for six weeks. Which made a sense at the time. But that was made a sense if somebody was like scared, shit is scared, or he had some kind of... If you're innocent and you're proud of your achievement, why would I want to say it was them? So I stood up and said in the court and I told him, I said, don't look, they are innocent people, they are decent people. 
They've done nothing wrong apart from working in a nightclub. Crazy. You said earlier on that as soon as you opened it, the council had problems. No, what, it what was it, the as fo- soon as I took over. As soon as you took over. Okay. What was the first By problem? By then now I had some amount of money because I had to spend loads of money on the building. Okay? Left. We go for license. The council says the building is not uh, safe. Oh, they said it wasn't safe. Okay. So we get reports from these people. The following month, we go to court. The canopy is not safe. We fix that. We get report. We go. They drag me for seven months. And they knew I had absolutely limited amount and I was just going because I was still paying the owner lease of, I think at that time was £500 a week, plus all this building works. I was completely penniless then. And I was really stressed. I lost one stone in just over six months because I was up all day and night you don't know the place. I used to live up there, and it's 150 steps to go up and down. So I was working, and my girlfriend, to be fair, at the time. We were both we were both knackered. I, we got to the stage that I was wishing I hadn't done this. What did I do, man? Why did I make such a big mistake? Why didn't I listen to Pat Shevlin or Peter Lawyer? Anyway... It dragged on and on and on, and Cartwright used to act for me for the license because they were big, at, they still are, one of the biggest firms in the country. But at the time, I went to them because I needed someone to be, because the council wouldn't leave me alone for any bollocks. The window is bent here. The door is that. Another month delay, another month delay. Eventually, when this bill, seven months, I think, gone, eight months gone, I had nothing left in. The same Pat Shevlin, he really cared because I was a good star for them. You see, I always worked with my heart and not for money. It was, I was highest, highest paid, but I used to put my heart to it, whatever I did in my life. He told me once, he said, look, Manush, why don't you turn it to a f- mosque? What? A mosque. Yeah, well, I heard what he said. And I looked at him, I said, Pat, do you realise you just said? He said, no, what? I said, it's a fantastic idea. He said, don't be stupid. Because he's Irish, he was with that accent, don't be stupid. I said, OK. <laughs> the following time this building control comes, his name was Chris Wary. I went by the door, they said, the council is here. And he was that high. I said to him, get the fuck out of my place, you motherfucker. What? I said, get the fuck out of my place, you motherfuckers. I've had enough of you bastards. Every day you keep coming, this is bent, that is this, window is bent. Cunts. And he ran away. I chased him, he ran away. Less than 48 hours later, less than 48 hours. I told him, by the way, I told him I'm gonna, I don't need your permission. I don't want it. 
I want to turn it to mosque. I'm happy to live above the mosque. That I always wanted to do that for God. It's my faith. Less than less than 48. I can't remember if it was 24 hours even. Anyway, my girlfriend came and we didn't have mobiles at that. She said, uh, I can't remember what his name was. Michael. He said, He's, you, the lawyer is on the phone from Cartwright. I said, why? What is that now, Cathy? Why can't you answer? He said, I don't know. You answer. Because we were both knackered. We were scared of phone calls. We were scared of everything. And we were getting problems from heavies trying to show muscle in. And I had to muscle off, which I don't have. And anyway, got the phone... He said, oh, I don't know what has happened, Manush, but the council have withdrawn their objections. Yeah. <laughs> I said, what? I said, what? He said, yes. So they've taken their up, they've withdrawn their objections, and I don't see any problem. You should have your license within the next blah, 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 blah. Unbelievable. That is, yeah. Wow. That was the kick-off... I realize they are as corrupt as fuck. Because if you start with a corrupt lawyer acting for them to read your lease, and then they start giving you hell, where I told them about this <coughs> Vodafone 250 quid a week, I never, that was breaking my heart. I needed money desperately. And they said it is on the roof where nobody can see from anywhere. We just put this dish there, give you 250. And then they say no to that. Put their own camera up, the bastards. And then they stick this lamppost out there. Few years later, because they realized the club is flourishing, everybody is happy in town, the building is getting better and better because we kept improving the building. And it was dry now, because it was being used. It was, as they say, bone dry. (laughs) 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 They they invited for a... they, They put an offer. I had this monk and partners acting for me. They were the... What are they? Agent, state uh, agent, but they do a bit more than that. Um, Property, planning, charter accountant, blah, 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 blah. blah. Anyway, he sent me a letter. He said the council wants to buy it for one million pounds plus 20,000 pounds legal fees. Are you interested? This is when I think this whole thing started. Okay. So it went from you having a lease... So you owning it? No, I, I own the freeholding, and I, nevertheless, okay. I forgot to tell you. It got to the stage. Now this bastard didn't want to sell the freehold. Oh, I thought it might. Until <laughs> what story? He turned up with his Rolls Royce and four, five monkeys, which I called them at the time. I said, you come down here with fucking five monkeys, get rid of the monkeys, and I'll tell you what we do. <laughs> and he did, he opened it, he opened it, I sat in the front, I said, let's go to your fucking Biddeford. 
wherever you think you can, because he said, don't do this, you know, people get shot these days. I said, yeah, I want to get shot, you motherfucker. Let's see now. <laughs> and he went for about 10 miles, maybe more or less, 10 miles, 11 <laughs> miles. He kept saying, look, Manush, leave it out. So I didn't mean it, but I said, no, you told me I may get shot. I want to see which cunt has got the balls to shoot me. Because if he doesn't kill me, I will fucking put his balls in his throat and yours, motherfucker. And this boxer, because he thought he was a boxer, he would go, I'll kill him. Yeah, all right then. This is where it hurts. I was hit by a policeman a few weeks ago. Okay? When I talked about it in cell, this is the honest truth. It's going on now as we speak. I was hit. I actually had tears in my eyes because all my life I was hit. I never complained. I always said it's part of my job. Why should I moan? Complain to police to do what? But when I talked about this, because there was four of them, four police officers on me, and he hit me with his knee, mm. where he knew is the word, which I, actually this morning I went to, yeah. he hit me, and he was like seven foot guy, six foot ten, tall, big. He kneed me from here a few times, more than one. And because I had my handcuff like this, when I mentioned it to the doctor in prison that I was hit, that's admitting I was hit made me have tears in my eyes. Mm. Why I should allow this motherfucker get away with it, which I won't. I told him at the time, even my hands were there, I said, listen, you motherfucker, Bin Laden look-alike bastard. You think you are tough because you hit 66-year-old man with four of you on me and you called that? You can talk about it in the fucking pub tonight to your mates. I hit this guy, 66-year-old guy. Yes, is it tough? Bastard. In my country... Impossible you even raise hand to someone who's older than you. You thought you just don't. It respect comes in the generation. You don't even stretch your legs in front of somebody who's older than you. This is how much respect families have in Iran. I've always said that. You would, before the children are given food, the old man is given the food, and then the children. The children should learn how... Respect their this is how I was genuinely upset in the cell. Because they came and said, we want to take your fingerprints. I said, I don't want to do it. We'll do it by force. I said, fucking do it then. And then another one comes. Why don't you want to do it? I said, I don't want to do it. He said, she said, but you may have to do it by force. Why do you like by force? I said, I'm a masochist. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> and you won't believe all this, all of this, they had come to tell me 
there is a public order for police officers, two cars, another van comes, yes, to tell me, you have to turn up to police station either this Sunday or sometimes in July. Okay? That's all. They could have done it by email, by phone call. And what is the accusation? You swear at somebody. When? Back in January. Okay? Now listen to this. Back in January. And I had already complained to pol police complaint commission in February. So they had looked to January, which was before I made the complaint, to find something there. And guess what? And then they, they are taking me, and it, one says to another one, shall we hit him with a few more? Yeah. Okay, well, I'm also arresting you for assaulting a... Unbelievable. Uh, what? Emergency care workers, which is the police now. So I go to police station. They want to talk to me. I said, give me a pen and paper. I write down what... I said, why have you waited six months to come now for this? He said, because we've been busy. I said, oh, is that why you sent four people to give me a notice? <laughs> because you've been busy. <laughs> and the reason I told them I wasn't going with them, because I got angry, is... For five years, we've been having breakings. Breakings. Left, right, center. I keep writing to the chief of them. We kept complaining. Guess what they said every time we phoned? We have no mandate. You're just going to have to let it go. Secure your building better. Put your own... This fucking dickhead MP... This ticket, was it this ticket who told me you have to put your own security there? Yeah. yeah. This ticket is supposed to be representing people in this town. In this, this is why city is fucked up. He tells me I have to put 15 pounds an hour plus VAT, my own security to watch the building. This is why I told the I said, you have come four officers with two police cars, and I live in a cul-de-sac. You don't care. You just come here to show off, and I keep complaining about breakings. You tell me you don't have manpower. Where have you got this manpower now coming from? <laughs> <laughs> and then they said, okay, we're going to arrest you. I said, okay, do it. They could read me, and I had the slippers on, and I had one T-shirt on, and I turned around and said, okay, let me put my shoes on. That's it. She jumps on me. No, it's too late now. And then another one joins, and then another one. Four of them. If anyone said they are not corrupt, he or she is as fucking corrupt as these bastards. And I mean it. I'm not hiding it away, whether it's the MP, but I've told them all to their faces. Don't think I'm only just saying it behind them. I've said worse than this to their face. They are all in it. Which council would tell you you have to do this? Sell it to this person. Arrest me if I'm lying. Fuck me if I'm lying. 
take me to court if I'm lying. Motherfuckers, which council would do this? If you said that in Brighton, they would hang you from in the middle of the street. And I said to her, imagine how, conf- look how confident you are, you are telling me Tom was there. We got the recording. I said, just imagine how corrupt you all are, that you are not even bothered to hide. We are recording and you are telling me, give it to this blah, 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 blah person. I think I figured this out. Freemasons, good old boys club. Funny you say that because this was one of my first questions when we went to prison. I only say it because this is all recorded now, documented. I wrote to my solicitor, even though my handwriting was shit, however I could, I managed to put my view across to say, can you ask, is Don or the barrister... The shittiest lawyers, three of them, all of them. I said, if any of them had anything to do with Freemasons. Mm. It's all recorded. And when I complained against them, you won't believe what happened. It wasn't refused on the merits of it. It was seven days late. Out of... You have to be within that six months, your complaint to be... in the, Because you are one week later... They are safe. So they didn't have to answer if they were Freemasons? They just wouldn't answer, fuck all, why we are in prison. I kept asking, who made all these mistakes? Who was responsible? They clearly didn't believe in me when I said in the first place, look, listen, we were... Innocent from... Completely taken because you just won't believe you will be... If you are... Innocent, why would you give a toss who's taking you to where? You will say, oh, it's going to come out. doesn't matter. But all these little, little, little get together like a jigsaw puzzle and suddenly put, put you in a deep shit, in a corrupt state of powers, which they're all involved in it. All of them. Every single one of them at the top here are somehow... This MP, I was telling Jane outside, I went to see him, spent 40 minutes explaining to him with my iPad how I've been biased against with evidences. Guess what he did two years later? He's completely ignored all that asked me and wrote on the newspaper front page he should do the right thing and give all his properties to the charity. Motherfucker, what happened to my wife? What happened to my child? What happened to the rest of my family? What happened to the donkey work I put? I said in the court, I worked fucking 70 years in my life. And this motherfucker who became a judge after their prosecution, QC, Mercer, half hour later, he thought he was very clever. He said, Mr. Ramanzade, how old are you? I said, just about 50. He said, can you tell the jury how you worked 70 years? I said, yes, I can. I always, I've been working since 1516. I always had two jobs. 
often I had three jobs. You add them up, it was it is more than seventy years. You know what I mean? It was so pathetically this judge twisting everything against us. Of course. Just to make us look stupid to the jury. And jury, I remember once Tom and I, we were walking after the court. You remember one of them, he was right there mm. with googly eyes and mm. googly face. Mm. This cunt was within yards of us to see what we are talking about. As if, ah, we've got the... <laughs> <laughs> How would you know about drug and disco or nightclub? Yeah. Especially if the judge is saying, why couldn't you change it to a line dancing club? Yeah, he said something else as well. Because line dancing is so popular in Plymouth. Yeah. All right, Manoush, so before we go to the prison stories then, what is the heart of this matter okay. with the council? It's it, as I explained about half of the way about to dealing with council, obviously... <clears throat> We got to the point that these monk and partners who were acting for me, or we had asked them to fix this next door, which was the part of Palestine, part of the same building, which is called Great Western Hotel. It's just next door. It's the same facade, the same future. But anyway, because I didn't own it at the time, then I bought it. Then council put an offer to this monk and partners for one million pounds for freehold, plus uh, £20,000 um, legal, fees. legal fees. And for that to start negotiations, there was a condition I give up monk and partners and have another firm dealing with it headed by uh, at the time was and so I don't know why but they didn't want to deal with this firm they wanted to deal with another firm which they have very close relationship with. Freemasons. Well, <laughs> they are very closely related, basically, very. So I accepted because I had no problem who's going to deal with it. At the end of the day, is my say. We set up a They set up a meeting in Royal William Yard, their offices. Tom and I attended... And there was at least, I would say, about another six, seven people, maybe more. Because there was this guy called... ...was representing, he was the head of SWORDA, which is Southwest Development Agency. Yeah, Southwest Regional Development Regional Development, development Agency. Agency. He was the head of that. And now I believe he's back in the council and he's working for council. He's the one who initially had invited me to all these business meetings to tell me about all the plans around here. 
This is why I bought these little, little places around here, which now people think I was lucky to buy it. Do you see what I mean? So this is why they say, give it then. You've only blah, 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 blah. They don't realize how much I went through them days with this. Listening to, looking at his plan and listening how this building is a center of 380 million pounds development is called uh, Stonehouse uh, Development. This is the Stonehouse because it is one of the most run-down areas in the country. So they have to spend and bring it back up. So whatever you bought at that time would have only been going one way except my building, because <laughs> now they want it for free. Not only it hasn't gone up, they want it for free. So anyway, we agreed, and he was there as well. We all sat, okay. I said, okay, can you tell me why you want it so cheap? Because according to my accountant, the business itself was worth over a million pounds because of being successful. The building, if it is worth a million, that's two million, but, but you are asking for a million. I don't think I put these numbers at the time, but I said, why so cheap? And one of them, who added, I never forget, he had half a ton of fucking grease on his head. He turned around and he said, because you made money from it? And I said, because I made money from it? What does that mean? What does that mean? Because I made money from it? And anyway, I said, listen to me. I have worked my ass off all my life to get what I have. If you think you can create, because I had a feeling they are, I was warned by these previous owners, they would make sure your business is gone. And you are fucked. Don't think they would leave you alone. But I didn't know the extent. So I said, I've worked so hard for all this. And don't imagine you can, don't even think you can take it off me. Because I've put in my will, if I die, to be buried there. And as a burial place, you could not touch it. I said to them, you value it, whatever they say is worth, I give some discount to the city to say thank you. We all agreed on that. Everybody agreed, it's fair enough. They employed King Sturge, the council employed King Sturge in Exeter, a big firm for valuation. He kept coming, they kept coming for weeks. They spent four weeks. Measuring, so room. we had to put people in from early morning till blah, blah, blah. Measuring, this doing this. And running. They got, they got hold of my license, they got hold of uh, police records because they knew perfectly well a place, listed building, without business is worth fuck all. And a business like nightclub 
without a license is fakol. So they had to check all this. So I provided them, stupid me, three years of accounts with accountant in London. Three years of accounts, everything full. Okay? Not long after, we didn't hear from them. I said to Tom, Tom, can you call this King's Sturge to find out what's happened to this report? Because everybody seems... I noticed the council has gone very quiet. They are not asking, doing anything, blah, 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 blah. None whatsoever. And uh, he said he had phoned them and he was told by King Sturge that our client has told us not to give you any copy of the reports. Strange, but true. Wow. And so they'd done four weeks going through everything to get that valuation and then refused to give it. And in the meantime, I had bought a small place in, in town, used to be a post office. It was bang in the middle of... State of uh, council houses, completely full. I thought, what a place this is for delivery, takeaway. It was so good that when the council came to look at it, they said, we can't let you do this. I said, why is that? Just there and then, I asked, why is that? because it's freehold building, no neighbors to mess around. She said, because this area would be too busy. I said, but surely this is business, business is invented, created f- to be busy. If this is the reason, the whole of Oxford Street should be shut down. <laughs> I swear to God, that's what I said to them, to their face. I said, you know what? Fuck off, bye-bye. Left it. I sold it. Their mentality is that. The same time I asked them to buy these or rent these arches on the seafront. I learned it from Brighton. Brighton had a problem in the town center with drunken drinking and fighting. They moved everything to seafront, to these arches. And all the problem in there is by the sea. They, they cut down on trouble, they cut down on noise pollution, on people complaining, neighbors complaining. So when I went there, you won't believe what they said. It has to be to do with fishery. You can't, is your business to do with fishery? I said, no, I want to turn them to cafe, clubs, bars, restaurants. No, it has to be, if you want to morgue your boat for fishery, that is. What fucking fish? <laughs> there is no fucking fish, you old bastard. <laughs> but you see what, uh, this is their mentality. Anyway, they, they wouldn't give us the thing. Not long after that, we notice all these changes. Oh, I complain against this guy who had worked for us and he assaulted my nephew in there. 
and stole the till money, whatever, with floats and everything. And he's fucked off out of the club. So it was all on the camera and everything. So I wrote to police. I said, we have the video. We have this. The assault has happened. Stalling, stealing. They wouldn't want to know. So I kept complaining, digging, writing. Wouldn't know. Eventually I had a call from some s- inspector. Why don't you do as you are told? I said, excuse me, who did you say you are? What's your name? And he put the phone down. <laughs> After that, I had to take the guy to private court and I won. Easily. He didn't even turn up there. Okay? Not long after that, the club gets raided. Okay? When we came out of prison, during that time, they would not give us the copy of the reports, which later we found out if they had, would have saved our ass in the court. Because... They had got in touch with police. The police had confirmed it's a good, solid business, good, solid management. That was enough for us. Yeah. But they didn't. The reason I got hold of it eventually is when I come out, this time, when I was in prison... The fucking MP, conservative MP, motherfucker, writes to me in prison and he says, I wonder if you can help us with your building. We want to do this, this, this. I said, you are not even fucking asking me if my case is a solid one, if it's a good one or what am I doing in prison? You are worried about the fucking building? Anyway, not long after that, Criminal Cases Review Commission, in one morning, I go to high court, which I wasn't supposed to, because I was still in prison, but I managed to sneak, because I meant to be working. Fuck the work. What work? (laughs) I never worked in prison. Never worked in prison. I I say it now. They all said, this is work in prison. I said, listen, motherfuckers, it's not every day you have a decent, honest person who's innocent in prison. You think I'm going to work for you for 50p a day? You can do what the fuck you want to do. And they tried everything. Ah, do this, we do this. They got all this. <laughs> Good. And I never worked. Anyway, but for the, when I got to open prison, I got a letter from a friend in Brighton and he said, I want to give him a job. You have to let him out. Okay, then. Every day I was going from prison to gym, straight to gym, to uh, Virgin gym. I was exercising there for an hour and they come home, have breakfast. I had my home and relaxed till about 8 o'clock back in prison. (laughs) So I went to... They thought I was selling clothes. Yeah, motherfucker, I would be selling clothes to some dickhead over you bastards. (laughs) And anyway, in the morning, uh, uh, I went out. I went straight to high court. 
to. I wasn't supposed to. I asked them, let me go. They said, no. I said, okay, I'll go to work. Thank you. But what did I do? I go straight to court. And I was there when they said, okay, he can be free. So they he gave me... He won the case, basically. Won the appeal. Yeah. Wow. They gave me a paper. I came to Brighton, borrowed my friend's uh, Porsche, like this proper four-wheel drive, brand new. I drove it to prison gate. I stopped by the gate. I went to this, like a chaos. They sit in the behind. So he, he said, what is this car? Can you move the car? And I went like that with the paper in my hand. I smashed it on the window. And he, he looked at me and said, what is it? I said, why can't you read? He said, it's upside down. <laughs> I turned it this way and he looked. He said, ah. I said, yeah, that's what it is. Come on, I want to get my things. Open the fucking things. I want to get my things. I went in, got a few bits and bobs from prison and come out and... Anyway, when this happened... The same motherfucker MP wrote to my lawyer because he had heard them now. The case is out, blah, blah, blah. If we can be any help to your client, blah, 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 blah. I said, tell him, you motherfucker, when I needed you, where the fuck were you? You were worried about my building. Now that you know I, have, I am out and because I'm innocent, you can't, you want to make your... Korea out of this? And exactly, she put exactly the same. My client is not happy to, for you to get any involvement. Fuck off. As if I care. I'm in the paper or not. 35 years ago, if I wanted book written about me, I had that Des O'Connor's daughter, Karen O'Connor. I don't know if you know her or anybody know her. But my lawyer knew her. She wanted to write a book about me and my life. 35 years ago, in Brighton. But one day she woke me up. She said, come on, my mom is here. She's put champagnes in there. I said, go and fuck your mom and yourself. Bye-bye. I was like that. I didn't give a toss. What? Do I care if I'm written a book about me? What do I do? What happened? Or this one? Oh, I'm important. No. Many people think see me in the street. In the club, they never knew. When I used to work on the door, whether you believe it, in the zap, running it and everything. And few other... I used to run lots of bars and clubs, even in London and La Palais. People used to come to the door, talk to me and say, a mate with Manush. You say, who are you? Because they were expecting someone six foot with muscle like that. And you know what I mean? Even in prison, when I was in prison, people used to come and say, are you Manush? Manush? I heard your name is Manush. Are you to do with that guy in Bright? I used to say, yeah, yeah it is me. Really? And they used to go, we thought it was like this, like that, like that. It was never that. You have, you have to use your brain instead of this thimbles you fucking all day pick up <laughs> and put it down. So, anyway, 
going back to this, when I came out of prison, they set up a big meeting, which now we know this guy who I told you about, this Heritage England guy, inspector, he was apparently in that meeting, but we didn't know that. He told us afterwards, he said, you don't remember me, I was in that meeting. I said, oh, really? They were all sitting. So they were talking about the future of this. So I got up before they started. I said, okay, how do I know this time you are not going to go back again like last time and tell the... What happened to that fucking uh, report? Why didn't you give it to us? And his face went... But we, did, we didn't stop it. I said, no, you did. Are you going to give it to us now? He said, yeah, of course. Yeah, we will. I said, okay, in front of all these witnesses. Because there was loads of agencies sitting there, all government agents. I said, and in front of all these agencies, you are saying you would give it to us now? I said, yes. We didn't want... I said all this, anyway, I said, fuck off all corrupt bastards. I walked out. I didn't sit there, I walked out. Within one week, we got the report. But this is after the incident, after we got fucked. It's years mm. later. It's years later. It's How many years? This was... Do, we don't know. Uh, two, two years after the, 20, we came 20, out of prison. 12, 13. Did you and the police had... You won't believe. Before the raid, the police had... The council and the police had a granted our license. Just before... In the court, they said, because we had lots of backlog, we did it. Because lawyers said, clearly, they were good because you just approved it. Do you see how they were doing us? They asked this, my lawyers asked this policeman who done the intelligence report, commending us, and he said, yeah, but I done it all on the screen. Or from the screen, or like they washed everything down to suit their own purpose. And then, when we got this report, I asked the council about can you give me some information about the meetings which we had? Guess what they said? We can't remember having it. Oh, wow. <laughs> I had to go back to this woman to be fair she eventually found the notes of the meetings for it and she said in their loft or wherever in their office it was there but we eventually found it for you Manush which was very kind of her but the council up to now to this day Denies, we can't remember. And when I pushed, they said, our records don't go back that far. Gone. Okay. Mm. Now you sit down and tell me they are not corrupt. They are as corrupt as fuck. And they seem to... Man, if I told you things, they... Not long ago, four months ago, they write a letter to me. You need to clean this back area. 
because I've had a call from complaint from neighbors. And on purpose, I wrote back, I said, okay, what would you like me to do about it? And knowing that it's not my land, it's their own land. Okay, so he said, you have to clean it and make sure it will never happen again. I wrote back, I said, hey, fucking pisshead, <laughs> it is your own land. It belongs to council. Because they had argued about and it then, years before. <coughs> CTV. Yeah. 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 Years before, and it cost me thousands of pounds on lawyer's fee because I tried to take the ownership of that land, which we didn't succeed. They wouldn't have it. So he wrote back, he said, thank you for, it was sorry for the mistake and thank you for clarifying. I wrote back, I said, this wasn't just a capital mistake or clarifying. Council gets paid by our money. This is spent by our money. Public money has been spent on this. Especially if with, I spent thousands of pounds to take ownership. But so, who had looked where before sending this letter? Do you understand? They are people think I've, I've been sitting here and doing fuck all with these buildings. These buildings are cost me hundreds of pounds a week to maintain. To just maintain this breaking in. Two years ago, I wrote to council and sent a copy to MP. There was a developer. He wanted to develop the whole area. You should have bit his fucking finger off for it. He said, on one condition, we acquired the car park at the back because without that it's very difficult to do anything. Outright dismissed by council. I said, why is that? They said, you have other plans for it. I said, you haven't had fucking plans for it for 35 years. <laughs> and because they don't know how far I go back, how much knowledge I have from information these... He kept saying, no, we have other plans to exchange. Uh, eventually I wrote, I said, you better ask Carl Budden. When he was showing me the plans, he specifically told me this car park is for Palace Theatre. Do you see what I mean? They send each other fucking email from this table to that desk to that desk. They don't even know which ass things from where. And when you catch them red-handed like the way I did with that Hannah, she fucking run like a mouse and I chased her. She ran into a room where they make coffee and tea in front of all her colleagues. She ran in there, I went after her, she pushed the fire exit door open and ran from there. A woman who turns up as a fucking charity worker turns out of fucking working for the same person who I said I won't deal with cancel. My lawyers gave me the hint when I was in prison they have value for confiscation. 
valued this building for one pound. What? Your confiscation is a million pounds. Do you want to exchange this for a million pounds? I said I wouldn't exchange it for 50 million pounds. I would not give up ownership. Now this has happened. I will die in it. No way I would let them put their hands on it. It has gone past that red line which the money would have uh, remedied. It's not. It has gone past that issue. It has become a principle. How can I... Once one policewoman told us in front of town, police sergeant, I know her name, in case you want... Do you remember, Mm -hmm. Helen? There was another inspector with her called... They came because I kept complaining. My places are being broken into. Why don't you do fuck all about it? You catch people bleeding hands. Twelve of them, ten of them, six of them. You let them all go. Why the fuck? Because your buildings are not safe. So they made an appointment. They came to see the building and they said, "Uh, actually, it's okay. Motherfuckers, I've been telling you it's okay for two years. Anyway, she goes, why don't you do something with these properties? They are so dilapidated and it's obviously a thorn in the eyes of her. I said, why would I do that? She said, don't you find it they are a bit too strong for you? I was going to ask that. Have you ever been tempted? To Guess what I said to hands. them. Yeah. To her, this would answer you. I said to her, I'm going to ask you a question, but I want your honest answer. She said, yeah, go on then. I said, imagine I rape you. And her face went exactly like that. I said, no, just imagine that. I rape you. Six months down the road, I come back and say, I want to you again because I'm stronger would you let me have a go because I'm stronger what are you going to do about it I suppose you have a point I said of course I have a point how can you fuck someone and then expect them to throw a towel in front of you come and fuck me again my friend (laughs) because you are you fucked me so good last time I enjoyed it. In fact, I've become a fucking... (laughs) It is like as if it is a joke. People take it as... Many people tell me, move on. Move on. The probation officer, move on. I said, move on where? He said, just let it go, let it go. I said, okay. You've got to answer me. Can you imagine now we are sitting in this office... That door opens, two people come in, put handcuffs on your hands. Do you have children? He said, why? I said, do you have children or no? I'm not asking boys, girls, how many. Do you have? Yes. I said, can you imagine these two people come in, put handcuffs on your hands (coughs) and say you've been molesting your children? (coughs) What would you do? Would you fucking allow them to get away with it? 
It's not that I wasn't doing anything for it. I had put my own life on this fucking club. Personally, and I say it personally, millions of people told me, whoever knew me, man, you're playing with fire here. These lot are going to do you here. That The people who I banned, when they turned up in a pub here, all my securities left. Can you believe this? He came to the door and he said, Look, Manush, to my office upstairs. We have to go. Why? Because these guys are all in the pub down here, street. It was not long from here. And uh, they are all in there having a drink to get ready to come here. And my staff and myself, we are not willing to do this. And this was coming from one of the tough fucking shits who used to call themselves. You remember mm. Steve Fass? Yeah, of course. They all left. They said, you better shut the club. I said, what? Shut the club? You want to go? Fuck off. I called it uh, guys who do... Glass collecting. I said, you just go and stand each of you by one fire exit to make sure nobody comes in to open the fire exit because that would have been the problem. Then they all would have come in. And of course, we have lots of fire exits. We didn't have enough people. I went outside and I stood on the door myself. Just like this. And I went to see them in the pub. They were all standing there with roll-up joints and everything, coke, doing coke. I said, I'm told you want to all see me, guys. Yes. Why? Because I had a fight with proper punch-up. Not once, not twice. I smashed my mobile them days. You know, these mobiles used to be Nokia, strong Nokia. Smashed it on somebody's face. Coming all these bollocks about you are killed, you are murdered, you are dead. We are going to do this. In fact, he had gone to one of their pubs the other day, who now he owns the pub fucking himself. And he said to him, oh, how is Manushi? He was fucking... Because I, my policy was, you want to that badly, you have to kill me. If you just want to do it, you want to punch up, let's show, I'll show you how to fight. Fight has nothing to do with your size and strength and this and that. Fight, you have to have a brain. With someone, you stick to the fight. With someone, you wrestle. With somebody, you headbutt. With somebody, you don't. You use a fucking knife. Whatever you can. This is the difference. You don't like bear. All right, they are all scared. It's not about that. I put my personal life on this. This is where it hurt me most in prison. There was people who was in prison and Lithuanian or Ukrainian guy. He was six foot odd. He was in prison for murder. He had killed somebody with punch. One punch. One punch in a fight and he was in prison. And he came one day, I was on a at the gym, I was doing the little binge, like, I don't know, 10 kilos, 20. 
He said, hurry up, I want to do that. I looked at him and said, what? He said, hurry up. I said, okay. So I took on purpose even longer. Now I'm going like on 50, 56. And he said, hurry up. Karapa said, listen, you motherfucker. I don't know where you come from. He said, don't fucking blah, blah, blah. And we were, because he was taller and he had a bald head. When I was talking to him, his sweat was dripping because we were in the gym dripping on my face but I wouldn't it is not me I remember because people whoever wanted to show off who was the best man Manushi is the man is this and if you have some money you always buy tobacco for this guy I always had cheese, bacon, whatever I wanted from restaurant come direct, flask, milk and because I used to buy them, okay, tobacco, fine, you have five gram, ten gram, do, 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 And if you can stand... Anyway, one day, one day we had no shower in our area. I went to another area. It's a fucking prison at the end of the day. I was showering and this guy came and he was, his name was Martin. Big Martin, they used to call him. You are not from here, are you? And I had finished shower. I said, no, I'm from Wing, blah, blah, blah. Okay, then we don't like others come and have shower here. This is the last time you come here. So I took all my clothes off again. I went back in the shower. I said, okay, let's not wait for the next time. I'm back in the shower again. (laughs) All he had to do was come and shake my hand. I was only joking with you, man. I didn't mean it. I said, no, I don't like being fucking told what to do, where to do. This is a fucking prison. You don't like it? Bye-bye. That was What I'm trying to say is, I earned all this by putting my life... If you ever find anyone, this goes viral, public, people know billions of people. If you find one person to come and say, Manush made one penny from this drug... I will give you my life, my life. And putting all that in power, going to prison, I said in the court, I said, listen, bringing me here to court is for drug. Why did I? I started by saying, listen, when I used to work on the door, club tablet, was 25 pounds, 30 pounds. I did not, my whole wages was 30 pounds. If I didn't do that now, why would I be doing it now if the tablet is a pound and I'm charging 15 pounds a head to come in? Does that make sense to you? Which was honest truth. And I said, bringing me here, with this charge, it's like taking Nelson Mandela for racism. <laughs> but they were all as thick as fuck. I keep repeating, we have gone through this. You just do it every day. You go every day, you go through it. Yeah, it doesn't leave you. Whether you like it, whether you don't, no matter how powerful you are, it is like ants inside you, goes up and down. Not probably because what you lost, that's not important. The money side, that 
If I did care, I would have rented these ages ago. But the fact that they raped you and got away with it, and they are still laughing at you. The only time I felt good is when, a few years back, I think you may see it on the Facebook, we were showing somebody around, he wanted to rent it or buy it or something. And I saw a woman and a man fiddling with this fire exit. So I went there, I said, what, what the fuck do you want here? And he said, who, the fuck, who are you? I said, I own the fucking place, and who are you? He said, oh, um, Detective Sarah, and this is Detective from Leeds. She's, we, she's come here to investigate a crime. And he shook my hand. He said, oh, I'm so sorry about what happened to you. We heard about your case. In the station, everybody is aware of that. And this is sorry saying made us so feel great that I went straight the same day. I called my lawyer. I said, this is what has happened. And I'm really touched. So I put on the Facebook, I said, uh, this is what's happened. I was with Tom and a few others, and this is two policemen. He up, he sort of apologized. He said he's sorry, so that's he on his own. And uh, it makes me like I regret if I've called everybody a fucking corrupt and blah 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 blah. Okay, so it, it made us feel a little bit good. And then when all these I was talking in the police station on the record to another motherfucker and she thought she was... What was his name? Do you remember that? She told me. What was his name? Do you remember? I said, listen, I don't have to tell you your job. How often do you get detective coming from Leeds here <laughs> investigating a crime outside Palace Theatre <laughs> and another detective is accompanying her? Yeah, I suppose right. I said, yeah, of course I'm right. Because you could, as if like I would say his name, it, I could have said his name, which I couldn't even remember because that didn't matter to me. All to me now, all of them are police. All of them. Which I told you how, what happened. And this is after last year. I have a row with vigilantes about my dogs, why they are in this heat in the car. Not too long a story. I come down, he does a runner. So I come back home, then the police comes to the door. I open the door, yes. Is this your car? Yes, sir. He said, well, you've been a knob. I said, wait a minute. <laughs> then I got my phone. And it wasn't even recording, because I don't know how to record it at the time. I said, what did you just call me? He said, I didn't call you anything. I said, no, 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 don't lie, you motherfucker, fat ginger bastard. Don't you motherfucker. I said, did you call me knob? He said, no, they called you knob. I said, they can go and fuck their children and their grandparents and their neighbors and their fathers, mothers, 
whoever knows them, including you, you can do exactly that. And his face. I said, listen, you useless bastard. You think I'm one of these refugees? You go knock on his door and call him a fucking knob? <laughs> Motherfucker, look at your fucking face. <laughs> I swear to God, he sat in his car. He sat in his car and he speed off running. I'm not surprised. I complained. <laughs> the sergeant comes, the in sergeant or inspector, Chapman, Ian Chapman. I'm from Bodmin. Okay, then sit down. He listened and he agreed. Look, I had visits, four visits from five police officers. Okay? Two of them blamed the liaison officer for the mistake. Okay? This is living in a cul-de-sac. You can imagine what I went through. This is all in the past few years, two years. Okay? Two of them, for separate incidents, they were given case management courses. That's how they had fucked it up. So imagine all this within five days happened around my house. But your neighbours loved you. It's not that. I didn't give a fuck about the neighbours. The issue was I kept telling them all to fuck off, you motherfuckers. Because they were doing the wrong, not me. I wasn't doing anything wrong. They didn't know their job. And the officer, and they've learned now, in fact, a few weeks ago when I was in police station, the guy who wanted to do the interview said, you don't know me, but I know you. You, you, I used to know you very well. You know to know. I ignored as if I didn't hear it. But when I was leaving, I said, what's your name? He said, Tim. As if it would matter. Motherfucker, I asked your proper name if you have it. But it's clearly shitting himself now. Tim. Tim. Yeah, all right. Okay, Tim. Bye, Tim. <laughs> it's like they, all this they done, all of them, still when my complaint was upheld, he asked me what I want to do with it. I said, nothing. I don't want to fuck up his career. He's a young policeman. Just tell him to lose some weight, he'll be all right. <laughs> but do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. After all this, I still was kind and happy to let him go. No one would have done that. Not in my position. And then this happens again. Why? Because I complained to the Police Complaint Commission. And what have they done? It's a new thing now. When you complain to them, they refer it to the same fucking police. So imagine, <laughs> I've come to complain to you, this guy is shagging me every day and not paying me. What do you do? Refer it to him. Refer it to him, <laughs> Tom. Do you, do you pay him or no, really? Because he's very upset about the pay. So what do you do? You fucked. Exactly. The system is fucked. When I was hit like this, I spent 11 hours in A&E. 11 hours. 
that is when I said to my partner, 100% national health is going to go. Because that's how they do it. They fucking make you, you just give up. Who would sit there? Because of that, I sat 11 hours, my back went. Another fucking pain came on top of that. That was forgotten. My back was killing me. Because 11, can you imagine we've been here for three hours and we are having a laugh or talk or whatever. In that environment, 11 hours. It wasn't just one. The first day I went, we left after three hours because we had to take the child to the uh, school. The second time I went, it was exactly the same. 10 hours and we waited 11 hours. And we still didn't see a doctor. We saw one of these nonsense nurses, whatever it is. She came and said, I can't give my opinion. I said, give your opinion. And she gone. That's it. I said, if I knew I had to wait 11 hours for this... <laughs> They're not in touch with the council, You won't believe I called <laughs> Nuffield Hospital. I called Nuffield Hospital. I told them I want to come there and I want to pay you bastards. What more do you want? Motherfuckers are telling me, you have to be referred by a GP. How do I find a fucking GP? GP can't see you. They can only call you back if that's emergency. And for that, you have to call 8 in the morning. You call fucking 8 in the morning, you are on the phone till about half 9 before somebody answers you. And by then, they say, sorry, all times are taken for today. You have to try again tomorrow, 8 o'clock. This is showing us national health is going to go. They are putting all this at the moment to make us be prepared to pay for it mm. because for your time how much time your time was if imagine 11 hours for yeah. me What's I would have loved to pay 100 quid and not wait that long yeah of course all of us are the same mm. alright we've got about 30 minutes left Tom so can you like when you went in court getting sentenced there mm. did you imagine you were going to prison that day did you know yeah, the the judge actually said um, that I was going straight to prison because my barrister actually asked, couldn't uh, Mr Costello go to prison in a couple of days? And the judge said, no, absolutely not. He's going straight to prison. Mm. You know, the, 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 my barrister said, um, you know, could he have a couple of days to prepare? And he was like, no, he should have prepared, you so, know. So what Even you my lawyer said to him, he's got all these properties... Give him a week or ten days or two weeks till he sold out. His he didn't even wait for sentencing us to put him in prison. Yeah, mm. He put so us in prison as soon as they said he's guilty. He said, okay, Judge take them in. Straight so what was that like? Where did you go? Oh, it was awful. Um, we went straight to Exeter prison. Yeah, it was awful. When you say it's awful, what was awful about it? Well, you know, you just suddenly your life's just gone you know and it's it's the reality of um because we never got sentenced at that point um we had to go back for sentencing like three weeks later something like that so it wasn't remand we'd been found guilty and the judge actually said it's a very serious charge so (laughs) yeah you know you're going straight to prison what category then were you um we went to exeter which is a, a b cat but 
I think they categorised us pretty much straight away. We were we were C cap. Did they split you up? Um, they did. We went from Exeter Prison. We went to Channing's Wood. Um, we didn't have a cho- we didn't have a choice, but we kind of did have a choice. It was strange. It was like, do you want to go to Dartmoor or do you want to go to Channing's Wood? Channing's Wood, one hundred percent. So well, yeah, we we yeah, that's what we thought, and that that was just just as awful. It was like a boot camp. It was horrible. Just horrible experience. And were you in the cell on your own when you got there? Well, no, we were we were together all for oh. for quite a while. So you were cellmates. Um, yeah, we were cellmates for quite a while, and then they split us up once we. Um, I think we were about two months into it when they split us up. All right. So for that first two months, when you guys are cellmates, how's the prison population treating you or reacting to you? Tell uh, them who. D- who turned up in prison? Everyone felt Fraser. sorry. You were, everyone felt sorry for us. Everyone was being One nice to us. One of the witnesses against us, who hadn't, they didn't have anything to say, but he was a door. He said, we had ambulances very often outside, like yeah. once a week or some yeah. shit. Well, he was a doorman at the club. That's I mean, all he had to say, ambulances outside. But he, ended, he turned up in prison. For dealing drugs. Oh, can you believe this? <coughs> so, yeah. This is the star f- flipping witnesses. <laughs> <laughs> and they found, I don't know how much gram, I don't know how it fit, in his wife's fanny. What? <laughs> I swear to God. The A-class drugs they found in his wife's fanny... And this motherfucker was giving evidence to say there was lots of what ambulances coming to the club. Tell motherfucker. And you know what? These two, including the Mr. Gross, they both had criminal records. None of this came out in in our court. Yeah, they yeah. were given as a dawn shining uh, symbol of perfection to the court and we came as a since when did you find cocaine in Iran <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking that yeah. Pablo Escobar yeah. Colombia yeah. Iran yeah. A, bit, a bit far away <laughs> all we have is fucking Persian rock and a Persian cat <laughs> if we have some fucking uh, pistachios drugs <laughs> it is coming from Afghanistan which is opium opium yeah. opium that's yeah. all it is since when we have cocaine they wouldn't even know what cocaine is in Iran makes no sense and this cunt stands and tells the court intelligence suggested he was involved in importation of co- where is it where is this intelligent how can he get away with that Corruption. Only if the judge wants him to get away with that. Yes. Freemason. Only if the judge wants to get him get away. Otherwise, I have been to other courts. You are not allowed to talk shit. You are not even allowed to... Without base. This is completely baseless. Where does it come from? I could stand up here and say, your mother was a whore. Because I heard that from somebody else, which I said about one of these police, five of the police, which I told you. I said to this inspector, I said, I was told uh, this policewoman, she used to work in a dead red light district in the Union Street. 
at night. Do you know anything about that? And he said, no, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to be spiteful. We can do the same. If you tell us we are this, this, then he'll, we can say you are say, a fucking cross. Say, yeah. say. I, remember, I remember saying to my solicitor, he had come to see me and I'd been in prison for about two weeks. And I was like, get me out of here, you know, what, what, what are you doing? What, why, why did it go so wrong? Like, and he was like, you'll be all right. Really? Yeah, and I was Thank like, and I'd lost it then, and I was like, you come and sit here, I'll walk out of here, you, you, you know, you spend two and a half years or five years sentence for doing what, exactly? Mm. You know. So when you saw that um, snitch then in prison, how did he react to seeing you guys in there? Um, yeah, pretty much. He didn't. He, He's talking he, about Fraser. Yeah, I know. He wanted to. He, he, want, he wouldn't come out of his. He wouldn't come out of the wing. The he wouldn't come out of the wing. He wouldn't. No. Until I went to him. Yeah, you had to go and talk, you talk to, him. to him. Because I knew some scouts in there. And they are the ones who I told you came in the. told me if I was Manush that recognised or heard of me or whatever. Because we got loads in Brighton. Scouts. He was scared that all these scouts are gonna give it to him. He wouldn't come out of this metal ever. So I went and I passed the message first. Look, I haven't got anything against him, but I want him to do something. And then went and spoke to him there then he started gradually relaxing I said I want this information this information and yeah. he kept saying look you won't believe how much pressure the police was putting on us he opened up then do you know what I mean because that, that was what we wanted him to do anyway is just be honest and did you feel sorry for him? no no because <laughs> <laughs> no, it was just but it wasn't much he said yeah. it was the way it had taken out of context everything like was taken he said, out of context when the judge is criticising you for selling water having water in the club what do you expect from jury to do hmm. and telling him why are you why did you have to play that music motherfucker radio one is playing this music what do we do about it I think when, when we got to prison as well very quickly and obviously we moved from Exeter to Shannon's Wood, but in both prisons we were told that we wouldn't have to do any behavioural courses, which straight away you get a, 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 they call it an OMU, like an offender manager. And both of us, you know, I remember meeting mine and she was like, I, I don't know what to do with you. And then straight away you think, you know, if, if I'm, you know, if I've got no courses to do, what shall I do then? Well, how shall I improve on my persona? You how, know? how did it feel when you guys got split up in prison? I mean, it was just... It, I mean, it wasn't very nice, but... Um, Look, I, I think we both nine went, years. We went on different paths, yeah. And I think they put a bit more pressure on Manush because Manush... They sent me up to Midland. Yeah, they sent... Was that It was B-Cat they B-Cat. sent you. So you went from a C to a B? Yeah. They come and... Done the six they o'clock in the morning uh, ship out for. They wanted to fuck me up, but I just wouldn't give in. I just didn't give a fuck. I thought it's gone now. What do I do? The best is to make the best of what. And I learned that from this guy who was 
the first day we went into prison, somebody came and sat next to me and said, you are Manush, your interviewers. He said, look, the best to do here is see these four walls around us? Just imagine nothing exists behind, behind it. Them. Yeah. This is only the world you know. I thought, what a fantastic... You know, most people, including Tom, they used to get emotional about partner, girlfriends, and this and that. I just, at that time, I said, fuck them all. What she wants to send me a photo? Oh, this is me. Yeah, i wanking the prison. No! <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I mean? No, fuck you. I don't want to... And I always used to think the worst. I used to think, at least here, there's some kind of law and order. You get food three times a day. You get this smoke. Bah, bah. What happened if I was in Gambia in prison? What would I do then? So when you think about that, this one becomes a hotel for you. But if you think about if Saturday night, I wish I was out with my girlfriend, yeah. what you have becomes a bloody double prison. Mm. And that's what you have to be stay away from. Mm. This was our case. He was thinking about the girlfriend or just something like that or playing music for people. <laughs> just going like, yeah, 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 up yours, mate, up there. <laughs> and I was thinking about that worst bit. Mm. So I was just thinking, oh, that's all right. It's, it will pass. It will go. So, Tom, were you the resident DJ? Yeah. In the prison. Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, yeah. Of course. Yeah. yeah. Did you have any trouble in there? No, no. It was no yeah. trouble. No, we were kind of. Um, yeah, we were kind of. Um, I think everyone felt sorry for us. Really, do you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Everyone, to be fair, everyone knew it, our case, and everyone. This has to be said. In prison, there is some kind of respect for people who are innocent in prison mm, and definitely. if people r believe that they somehow they try to be respectful to you yeah. rather than treating you like any other blah blah blah, blah. I, I think I had a little bit of nonsense with someone over some tobacco how did that start? Oh, it was just you know when, you, when we moved to Channing's Wood the guy um, lent me some tobacco so then when I paid him back, he then said, you didn't pay me back. Double, he wanted double. Yeah, well, I paid, the, I paid it, and then he said, you didn't pay it back. I said, yes, I did. And then he was like, you know, we're going to have a fight. So you have to do, you know, you have to stand up for yourself. In, did you have a fight? Well, kind of, yeah, but not. it was a bit silly. I, I mean, I, once I went crazy at him, he was just, you know, sorry, and, you know, I, your name's off the list. <laughs> so he heart checked you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they pushed me to work in a tailor's. Was it tailor's? Yeah, tailor, yeah. There? Sewing, yeah, yeah. You were there. Yeah, we were both there. Yeah, sewing jeans. The first few days, I had a big, massive fight around with this guy. Prisoner. You remember that yeah, guy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. Big one. And then after that, I was always sick, not well. Today, I'm not well, I'm not going. What was after the row that. over? 
I think he... I can't remember. Nothing. I just wouldn't stand anyone talking yeah. shit or doing yeah. shit things. And yeah. especially I hated dirty ones. And some people were just stinking or dirty. And, and you won't believe. Often you see people with mental issues. They shouldn't even be, be in there. prison. There's loads of that. Loads, loads everywhere. And you just think, how am I going to make conversation with this guy? Or music, somebody wants to keep. Why do you want music so loud? <laughs> yeah. As if like they want to annoy you. There was a yardy guy, which I told him. I said, why the fuck do you want this music to work with that music? It's not music. It's like a music. It's, you just can't understand the mentality in it. As if they want to tell everybody else, I can do it. Yeah, there's a there's a, a lot of and I I wouldn't fight him because I had to start the fight. I knew. I went in front of him. I told the officer. I said, "Listen, see this guy is fucking my brain up. If he carries on, I'm gonna lose it. Either stop the music, or I'm gonna stop it. Okay, fine." And he was shipped out. <laughs> because because him, they must have given loads, and he was a proper yardy like yo kapula but to me what my friend so what if you are yardy or party or dardy let's talk this is prison but that's how they are as if and they want now you're asking Tom like double he's given him his tobacco the bastard wants another one yeah straight away so you have to have that angst and you know you have to have that bit of you have to stand up for yourself, basically. If you don't stand up for yourself, then you're going to get walked over. Did you feel Manise was going to intervene? No, 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 no. no. It was, he had his own stuff to deal with. <laughs> yeah. No, to begin with, I was annoyed with this guy who turned up in prison. I kept watching him to see when he's coming out, that witness. But yeah, then when the news came, more came out and he was... Most people were really... Um, considerate for our case it was quite mm. it was quite yeah because yeah, yeah. i was expecting that you know i was expecting to be kicking off and you know because you see that of course you see that but most people were really considerate with our honestly even the people i had slapped the big even the screws. gang leaders or whoever yeah and the screws as came well. and shook my hand and the gang leader you slapped before prison yeah. yeah he came and shook your hand yeah yeah because yeah. yeah. i wouldn't hide from them just there and Manoush alright yes alright mate yes you okay oh yeah let's shake hands and they were shaking hands to be honest with you and if it wasn't because of some of them to be honest we would have never found out about this uh, being a proper snitch yeah it was them who found all this up it wasn't. It was other prisoners. Some of them are still in prison now as well. And because of him, all that time. Yes, yeah. and there was for another prisoner who we found out who the judge was. He had the book of who is who, and while he was on it, like we were, mm. I can't remember. I was sitting in his cell, or you can't remember, but we were there. 
And he said, who was your judge? I said, his name was Francis Gilbert. Fucking bollocks of Sherbrooke. That was, he had to have some certain names after his name. Francis Gilbert, a bollocks of Sherbrooke in blah, blah, blah. Okay. When I told him, within a few minutes, he said, what was your case against the council? I said, yeah. He said, but he used to be a councillor. I said, what? Mm. Yeah, man. You can only find this. I tell you what, my second lot lawyers, you probably know them, Hickman and Rose, she started writing a book and she spent six months on it. But she had her own issues with health because she got kidney transplant and she, she stopped and she said actually to me that she didn't realise it would take so much time to write this book she was a bit but she done this appeal things for 40 years and she said it to media that this was the worst she'd ever seen in her life because it wasn't accidental you know some, sometimes you have DNA mixed up Sometimes you hit somebody, but how can I say, you've stabbed somebody, so there is evidence of some wrongdoing, but this was none of that. This was just pure putting innocent people in prison. From what they were telling us to how they acted on it. Yeah, I've got no shame in saying that. I've, you know, I found the whole thing horrifying. It was horrifying. And, um, you know, the only way to get around it is to make joke of it. You know, there's a prison humour that runs through every prison, which is, you know, it keeps you going, it keeps you alive. You I, never see us talking, yeah. ever, no matter four in the morning, 12 midday, seven in the morning. And not end up talking about the case. Yeah. I was going to say, Manus, uh, do, do you want to tell Sean what part of the council the judge was in? I don't think he knows. He was in charge of uh, property and development. <laughs> yes, he was in charge of... Is he still on who I know? I tell you, when Vice magazine... Right. I told them... Mm. He was hesitant to put it down. I said, if you don't put it down, I'm telling you, if you don't believe me, look. If you look, then you have to put it down. He didn't want to write it. He didn't want to write it. He didn't want... Look! We changed the... You won't believe the way they wanted to trap us. They started by saying... Uh, you know, they are a bit concerned about your number of securities and your maybe your security camera is not adequate, okay? This is like building a grounds for it. What did I do? Put a brand new smack camera there, system, three grand at the time. 32 cameras or something okay? crazy. Listen to this. He came and he had a look at them. What did they say about it in the court? One camera wasn't working, was it? It wasn't that good of a camera. Because one of them wasn't working. Which he was telling to our face. It's great, man. 
in the court, they completely changed it to it was inadequate. They changed everything they could to benefit. Who would have thought about stopping the council? They had asked the same time when this happened, asked the Harbour Center to stop coming here. They also had to ask the uh, environmental health officer to write in his book that the place is very disgusting. And this is the guy who passed it a few weeks earlier. What about the undercover cop who got arrested? No, the, the corrupt cop who got arrested who ended up in the prison. What did you learn from him? That's exactly he told me. He said, look, exactly what we used to do is what they've done with your case. Which is what? Which I, is, I didn't see this. This was when you were, went on. This, this is when I told you, it's like in my oldest statement, what they had done was in my statement because I had no lawyer and I didn't have any reason to have any lawyer. I sat there and answered uh, eight hours of questioning, nine hours, 13, 14, maybe more. I'm just guessing. It was this much tape. I, uh, what, I missed it, would you believe? I get angry sometimes because it's, oh. The corrupt cop that was arrested and put in your prison. Yes, I asked him, he said, what these lot had done was in, with my, in typing. Changed the words. They changed, they dropped the words. Yeah, missed which mat Which mattered. Like I had said to them specifically, I always told my staff never to make friends with uh, punters because they would put you on the spot and they would ask, demand favors and you don't want to do that. What did they do? Drop the nut. So they said in the court... I always told my staff to make friends with the potters. And I said, he said, you make, you used to make like, for instance, 20 grand a week. I said, actually, we sometimes used to make 20 grand a night. What I had in mind was New Year's Eve. And we had very successful uh, boxing day. Okay. Or if we had like massive lineup, which the cost was sixteen, seventeen thousand pounds just, just for the just DJs. Jules. Just Jules. Okay, <laughs> then we were charging twenty-five pounds a head. Imagine if you had fifteen hundred people plus the bar plus this plus that, boosh. They dropped that sometimes and told the court he used to make thirty to forty grand a night. So if you're a member of the jury, that's what you're, you know, you're mm -hmm. straight away mm -hmm. suspicious and you're thinking, how are you making that money? Especially Drugs. if they are jealous and you are fucking foreigner, not from this town. So we're running out of time then. Is there anything you want to tell the viewers then in conclusion? No, I just I want to thank you guys for coming. Look, and, let and me tell you something. This is important yeah. because I, I forgot to tell you. On a Saturday night, they raided the place, yes? They found fuck all. 
I got a call from Tom. I was in Brighton. I was actually, I had a bad chest. I'd been to hospital in Brighton. I said, Tom, it's okay, calm down. It happens. It's probably nothing. We didn't know the extent of it. The sergeant calls me. Sergeant. What a corrupt motherfucker he was. He says, this is five in the morning, yes? Which is now, you say, five in the morning on a Sunday morning. Okay? He's co- he called me. He says, is that Manush? Yes. I said, yeah, it's Manush. What's up? We need to see you at the Charles Cross police station. I said, no problem. I drive down. I'll be there for tomorrow morning. Okay? That's five in the morning. I'm telling him I'll be there. What time? Ten o'clock in the morning for Monday morning. Yes? Because the court was on Monday, two o'clock in the p.m. For the license. For the license, which they managed to revoke it there and then how. Now listen to this. I go Monday morning. I drove at night. I got there Sunday. Stay in the morning. I go. Good morning. Hey, hi, my notion. We go to inside and then he takes me to cell so I thought it's going to be finished in a minute I've come by my own will nothing happened nothing happened nothing happened later on that day two o'clock in the afternoon they go to magistrate court tell the court I haven't turned up so what is got magistrates what can they do Apart from taking the license, it doesn't even fucking bother to come to court. My nephew gets up to say, hey, he's in police station, he's told by a lawyer called Sadler. And guess who this Sadler is? Pilimo City Council's lawyer. <sighs> this motherfucker tells my nephew, little nephew, to be quiet. This is not his court or his business. He's not a lawyer and he's not to be, sit down. Okay? While I'm in prison, they tell the court I haven't turned up. This was the day, the Monday after the raid. Mm. And they'd kept me in the cell for 29 hours, 30 hours. They're not allowed to do that, it's 24 hours, is it? Well, no, but they, they they got the special permission to keep me longer than 24 hours. But did your case get overturned when Manoush's case got overturned? I, I, haven't, I haven't gone that far with it. I haven't, I haven't... You haven't been bothered? It's not that I'm not bothered. It's, you can't get legal aid now. Just drained your life out of it, it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Man, it costs hundreds of thousands of pounds, all this. Is, it wasn't easy or cheap or stress-free. Mm. It stresses you. Tom was looking for something... In the case, my case is on USB now. Is it USB? Yeah, USB stick, yeah. Well, no. Because <laughs> I'm not sure what it's called. The whole thing's on a USB stick. Okay, he was looking for something. So to find that, he had to look through. And he finds more statements. undisclosed mm. statements, which he told me the night before. He phoned me. Midnight, he said, you won't believe what I've found. This securities, this guy is given a 
real, honest version. Statement. It was true. Statement. It was spot on. To say how Manush was... And I don't even know him. I don't know him. Manush was treating this place like his own front room. He wouldn't have drugs. He wouldn't have drugs. He would scream at people. And they said in the court that people would have been shit scared of him. How I was found guilty, I honestly don't know. Apart from the judge make them find us guilty. Otherwise, there was no evidence. Nothing. One pound here and there or there. No, come fuck yourself, you motherfuckers. <laughs> it is... These are what upset, and guess what, in the court? This motherfucker kettle disappeared. He wouldn't give evidence and he disappeared. So when it was asked, they said, as far as we know, he told Sergeant Kettle he would be there in the morning. But he didn't turn up. The same motherfucker who was in charge of the case lied to the court that I told, not bringing Kettle to say that, they, he told the court that I agreed to come on Sunday morning where if this ticket called me five in the morning. Look, they were shit scared of me, not because I'm a scary person, because they knew what they'd done to us. Every time I saw them in the court, that somebody had to smash my car. Like, pathetic question. What's your car? What do you drive? I said, do you find it fucking... What kind of question is this? Do you find it difficult to check with DVLA? <laughs> it is like one day one of them came to see the licensing and we had plasterer working there. Yes? improving there was some plaster this much on the do you remember that this fucking idiot the, the, the head of licensee proud who now is the I, he saw this plaster there he said what is that I said what do you expect it's all <laughs> like I was having a joke not know this operation is going on and he came and he fucking touched it what an idiot this much plaster asshole if he had this imagine how stupid as fuck they are they forgot let me now say this as well imagine how pathetic they were the council Forgot to take my license away until few years after I was released, only because I told this fucking corrupt uh, uh, reporter. Reporter. And the reporter, instead of keeping it to himself, he gone and when I told him, why did you go and tell them? He said, because I had to make sure you are telling the truth despite me. So what did I told you is confidential. This motherfucker, anyway, I drove uh, at night from Brighton, got to the licensing committee. They started talking. Of course, I wasn't even listening. 
I just got up, I said, listen, I haven't come here to ask you for license. Even if you give it to me, I won't have it. This is not why I'm here. I'm here to tell you, this guy, because the police was sitting next to me, I said, these lot, especially this guy, are corrupt. They are corrupt. They are called carrot crunchers in the prison. Do you know what a carrot cruncher is? Uh-uh. It's like <laughs> thick people. <laughs> okay. I said, you see this? And the committee said, can you not what, point at, don't point at him and don't directly talk to him, you have to talk to us. I said, look, I told you I don't need anything from you. I've only come here, your children are living here. I'll be driving back now, back to Brighton. It is you whose children should grow up with these corrupt people. I've come 400 miles to tell you all this. Bye-bye. <laughs> oh. And they kept saying, and he ran after me. It's not decided yet. Come here. I said, I don't want your fucking license. <laughs> the same motherfucker uh, reporters were there. Did you hear fuck all from them? Instead, he phoned me. He said, what are you going to do now? I said, I'm going to turn it to fucking mosque. <laughs> and guess what happened? You got the license. <laughs> the big fucking problem started outside the palace. You know this league EDF? EDL, oh, EDL, yeah. They came down. They yeah. came down all with our lots fighting in the street. <laughs> they all. This is far more than you think. It is just one by one is coming to our mind. It is. Look, it's a can of worms. It's it is. Kind of worms. You, when they look at it, the police, and I'm openly saying it. I'm not. I offered it to this fucking mosque for free. I offered it to them. I said, but there is one condition. You can never turn it to anything else. Otherwise, if you think you're going to take it from me and sell it on. Here you are. <laughs> it's never gonna happen. It's never gonna happen. I've paid very heavily for this. And I stand by it. I don't want this. I spent sixty thousand pounds for that cooperage. We went for license. Not me, somebody wanted to rent it, okay? He went for license. They said it is populated area now. It's not like before, because it was licensed. You can't have a musical, okay? All right. I spent 50, 60,000 on development, and you know how expensive it is. Architect, this five years it took, okay? Went for committee. Guess what they said? The town needs a fucking live venue! If you think this is funny, if this is not upsetting anyone, fuck this city and the fucking council, corrupt motherfuckers. What kind of... Which one, which way do you go? On that note, we're going to have to wrap it up. We're going to have to, we're going to, have to end it here. Look, is there any way the viewers can reach out to you guys, support you on socials, or you have a website? Yeah, or there's some there's some Facebook... Um, Facebook groups. Facebook groups and stuff What's like that. What's it called, the yeah. Facebook group? Um, it's the... 
Palace Theatre. I, I, I can't remember. Palace Theatre. <laughs> I'll 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 fire it to you. All right, thank yeah. you guys. But you can yeah. do something for this place if you can. Yeah, for the backpackers hotel. We'd, yeah, we yeah, yeah. we told them they would be looked after for. It's not because they I are mean, full. It's a lovely hotel. Yeah, yeah. thank they you so much as yeah. well. For they are around. full actually because it's summer. It's July. Mm. You know they have mm. this. There is a big ferry going from here to the rest of Europe. I swear to God we used to get people coming from Spain, from Paris. This is how it was flourishing here. And they, f- they shot themselves. They don't even know how to improve it or make it better. <laughs> because nobody is willing to spend 25 million pounds to rebuild this. Mm. Okay, imagine it's fantastically heritage. Okay, who's gonna fucking spend twenty five million pounds? It's a heritage. Good, well done. Ah. It's like a gold dildo. <laughs> it's like you do need these things for what? <laughs> only has one purpose. Whether it's gold, whether it's diamond, it only goes serves one purpose. <laughs> it is. So, so please let us know in the comments what you thought about this video. <laughs> Manoush is a force of nature, obviously, and whether you think this is the Freemasons are behind this whole thing, because I think there's a huge role of the Freemasons in this whole thing. All right, guys, oh, thank you very much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Already finished, no? Yes, yes. No, not finished, Manoush. It's all we hug. It's all we hug. Yeah, yeah. Well done, man. You are fire, absolutely. It was a great experience. This podcast is sponsored by Gadfly Press. We are proud to announce the publication of Britain's number one art forger, Max Brandert, The Life of a Cheeky Faker. And from the back cover blurb, Max the Forger is an artist and gentleman whose colourful lifestyle has spanned over 70 years. He has lived under the strict regime of Bernardo's children's homes, been an elephant handler in the circus, lived rough, busked his way from Brighton to Bombay, sold his fakes up and down the country, dined with dukes, socialised with celebrities, associated with gangsters, served time in prison, and donated tens of thousands to charity. And through it all, he has never stopped smiling and loving life and missing his mum. Quote from the book. Mr. Brandert, I do not see you as a malicious criminal, sighed the judge. But why, oh why, do you continue to use your God-given talent in this way? I just can't help myself, Your Honour. It's like an addiction, I grinned. Available worldwide on Amazon. Link in the description box below this video. Thank you for supporting our sponsor.